When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Tell him, baby. You tell him, Kelly Ripper. I spoke to a famous radio host in New York at WABC, Sid Rosenberg. That was Kelly Ripper yesterday. Yes, I'm still basking in the glory, if you will, of Kelly Ripper on a show with millions and millions of viewers. Forget about Fox and Friends or Newsmax or even Maria on Fox Business. This is live with Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest. This is beyond huge. And uh, the three minutes that she spent yesterday morning at the very top of their show talking about me and my book will um, well, we'll, uh, will always be a very exciting time for me. We're going to play the full two minutes coming up later on this hour. <laughs> and all of the people who messaged me last night, and I got tons of messages, thousands of messages, said the same thing. Man, Kelly Ripa is a woman of her word. She came on my show on Friday here on WABC to promote her book, Live Wire. During the conversation, she was so impressed and so happy with my interview, she said, I'll tell you what, Sid, come Monday morning, I'm going to pick up your book on my show 
I said, come on, Kelly, you're not going to do that. Yes, I will. And sure enough, she did it. So a lot of folks who were like, you know, I didn't really like Kelly Ripper before yesterday. Now I kind of like her. She's a woman of a word at the very least. (laughs) I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, really. But uh, clearly she had no idea who I am. She has no idea what I talk about on a daily basis. She has no idea what's inside the book. In fact, during the conversation, she said, oh, he talks about sports. He talks about his family. She never mentioned the word politics, ever. And while she's doing that, and very enthusiastic, you see Ryan Seacrest fold his arms, roll his eyes, and lean backwards. It is clear from the video from the TV show yesterday, Ryan Seacrest knows exactly who I am, knows exactly my political bent, and he was really pissed. Now, to Kelly Ripper's credit, she didn't care, and she continued on very enthusiastically, but you saw more than once during those two-plus minutes a very disturbed Ryan Seacrest. So what are your intentions with my daughter? <laughs> what, uh, what you said, what, now what do you do for a living? <laughs> Basically, it did look like that, like a dad who was uh, horrified. So well, you can look at the video. <laughs> I have a gun and a shovel. I doubt anyone will miss you. <laughs> it's on my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. The whole thing from the very beginning where Kelly Ripper introduces my name, where she holds up the book, which was monstrous. I can tell you this. I've done a lot of shows. Mark Levin, Bill O'Reilly, Fox and Friends, other shows on Fox News, Newsmax shows. All these shows that I've done, nothing came close, came close to the amount of books I sold yesterday. I moved up, this is true now, 42 notches. 42 on the bestseller list because Kelly Ripper mentioned me and showed my book on that show. So, you know, when we talk about how Greg Gutbeld is doing great and he owns a late nights, that's because everybody else has to split the vote. You got nine guys. You know, you got uh, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and all these guys splitting the baby. And anybody who's a Republican or a conservative watches Greg. I personally think he's way overrated. He's lame. He's not all that funny. Never thought he was funny with Bernie on Tuesday nights on Bill O'Reilly's show. I never did. But he gets every single person who's a conservative. And these other shows, they have a ton of viewership when you combine it. And that was the case yesterday with Kelly and Ryan. So you can watch the whole thing on my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And guess who watched the whole thing? Because her name is on the list of names that pop up when you watch a story on Instagram, Kelly Ripper, on my page yesterday. I know I sound like a, like a, like a little kid, like a teenager. <laughs> really? I can't help it. Can't help it. Like with all the candy you got. Yeah, I mean, it's, this, is, this is above and beyond, you know, the stuff that we do ordinarily, the people we talk to. No disrespect, but this is above and beyond. This is, this is legitimate super stardom. Is that not right? Yeah, well, look how huge it was, her holding the book up and showing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to need a transfusion when you saw the book on the desk. Well, you know what it's happened? It's on the desk! It's on the desk! I... <laughs> well, it wasn't just me, because I was told by the listeners, in big numbers, mind you, 
that when she did, in fact, hold up the book on national television yesterday morning, that all of us, Lou, you and Justin Ellick and Macedonia, Phil, heck, even Noam Layden and um, and Jacqueline Carl and Deb Valentine, according to the listeners, there was a scream from all of us when she actually held up the book. <laughs> I saw Deb with her phone and her, and her you know, her taking the whole video. Yeah, hilarious. Pretty cool. The whole thing was hilarious. It was so. Thank you, Kelly Ripper. We'll play that again. Uh, not again. We'll play it for the first time coming up at about six forty this morning. We've got three great guests coming on today. Always tremendous on a Tuesday morning. The great Bo Deedle. He's coming up at seven forty. And how about this, folks? I'm able to get on game day. Game day. And when I say that, that's my sports background. It's very difficult to ever get coaches or players on a day where they play the game. But the game is tonight for Lee Zeldin taking on Kathy Hochul in the one and only gubernatorial debate that is later on tonight. And, yes, I got Lee Zeldin to come on the show this morning. That is a very big deal. That's coming up at 840. And then at 925, I really like this girl, the great economist. She worked for Donald Trump. Monica Crowley will join us as well. So Bo Deedle, Lee Zeldin, Monica Crowley, that's just for starters. Lydia will uh, stop by as well. But as I mentioned, uh, this debate is tonight, this big debate, between uh, Hochul and Zeldin. There were actually three major debates coming up tonight here in the state of New York, in the state of Pennsylvania, also a very high-profile race. John Fetterman, that's psycho, taking on Dr. Oz. That goes down tonight. And in the state of Michigan, another very high-profile gubernatorial race. That also goes off tonight. So three major gubernatorial debates in the states of New York, Pennsylvania, and Michigan all come your way later on tonight. Now, last night, we had a huge one in the state of Florida where a guy that um, I really like. Good morning, Charlie Marino. How are you? Always good to hear from Charlie early in the morning. And um, Fred Ricky Willis. Uh, he says he should get a raise. Uh, it's okay. We'll talk about that later, Freddie. Um, in the state of Florida last night, Ron DeSantis, that's how he says his own name, Ron, not DeSantis, DeSantis took on Charlie Crist. And, of course, at least uh, the majority of our listeners love DeSantis, not big Charlie Crist fans. And this one got pretty heated last night. Uh, they went back and forth, and it even got nasty at times. Hey, by the way, uh, Macedonia Bill the, I guess, uh, what do you call it, the toner on this printer is lousy because I can barely see the um, the writing here. I know you don't care, but... I'll, I'll inscribe it myself. Yeah. Like this uh, cut 13 on the DeSantis and Charlie Crist debate. Crist asked DeSantis if he'll serve a full sentence. And DeSantis, of course, he asked that because of all the rumors that Ron DeSantis will run for president in 2024. And now there's a legitimate rift over a Colorado politician between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, and I've got all the audio from that. It's actually pretty interesting. So we'll start with this one. Last night's gubernatorial debate down in the state of Florida, Charlie Crist asking DeSantis, are you going to serve four years if you win? And DeSantis goes back at him. Lewis, this is cut number 13. Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused. But you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor. Yes or no? 
Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's, it's not a tough time. question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Time? Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. Hi. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, Ron, we know you love to bully people, and the little name-calling you just exchanged, I can take it, but you shouldn't do it when children are standing behind you at a press conference and they're wearing a mask. Oh, that's, that's not true. Oh. I know but exactly what he's talking nature, about. That's a lie. That's too bad. Yeah, that's not even true. That's a lie. All right, so let me go on. And uh, now, because Ron DeSantis did the right thing down in the state of Florida, right, where they have like a billion old people. Everybody goes down there to basically die, you know. And um, they had less deaths than uh, all these other major states. And they kept their businesses open and they sent their kids to school. Ron DeSantis had the blueprint for every governor in this country. Remember when Cuomo hated his guts? You know why? Because DeSantis did the right thing. And Cuomo, despite getting $5 million for a book, was a dismal failure. That didn't stop this moron Charlie Chris last night from accusing Ron DeSantis of killing thousands of people down in Florida like Andrew Cuomo really did here in New York. Lewis, this is cut number 14. Satisfied with my approach, I would have listened to scientists, unlike the governor. You know, he wants to talk about how we reopened this and we reopened that. You can keep things reopened, but you got to do it with an eye toward what health care providers tell you. Not being arrogant, so arrogant that you won't listen to their advice about when masks are appropriate. And later on, when they probably are not, like now. We don't need them now. But you take a common sense approach and you do what's right. Ron, I wouldn't pat yourself on the back too much about your response to COVID. We've lost 82,000 of our fellow Floridians. And when you look at the Thanksgiving table, one of those empty seats is probably one of those people for many families watching tonight. And if we had only had the standard of other states in the United States, 40,000 of those people would still be alive, enough to fill Tropicana Stadium in St. Petersburg. That's tragic. That's time. All right, then uh, finally, DeSantis gets his chance to come at uh, Charlie Crist. Because don't forget, Charlie Crist at one point was the governor and uh, looking to do it again. I guess he was the governor before Rick Scott. I think he ran for Senate, too, and lost to uh, Marco Rubio. That race, I believe, was Rubio, Kendrick Meeks, and Charlie Crist. Here, DeSantis says when Crist was governor, let's just say taxes were an issue. Lewis, this is cut number 16. You want to talk about you want to talk talk about standing up for taxpayers. Uh, when Charlie Chris was governor, he ran saying he would not raise taxes. He became governor and he signed off on the largest increase in taxes and fees in the history of the state of Florida. That's time, we governor. just enacted the largest decrease in taxes in the history of Florida. Thank you. All right, so there you have it. We just enacted the Largest decrease in taxes in the state of Florida. We've got more sound on that one, but that kind of kicks it off. DeSantis and Christ down in Florida. And once again, we've got three big ones coming your way tonight. The biggest, we'll have Lee Zeldin on this show coming up at 840. Zeldin and Hochul here in New York. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Pennsylvania and Michigan. Another what one for Joe Biden. It's just every day, every day. Who, Phil from Macedonia? For $64,000, 
Macedonia Phil, who is the president right now of the United States? Uh, hold on. Come on, you know the answer. Say it. Uh, it's, Say it. Come it's, on. It's, it's, it's Joe Biden. Incorrect. You know how I know? How do you know? Because the man you just said, Joe Biden, said that's not the case. So how can you say Joe Biden is the president when, in fact, Joe Biden doesn't think so? You think I'm kidding? This is Joe Biden, number one. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. Joe Biden yesterday wishing Kamala Harris a happy birthday to a great president president if you missed it one more time joe biden wishing the president kamala harris a happy birthday happy birthday great president uh we know uh, your mom's always with you the best he's the best nobody better anyway once again we got a huge show coming your way (laughs) <laughs> Bo Deedle coming up at 7.40. Lee Zeldin coming up at 8.40. Monica Crowley coming up at 9.25. I'll play the actual audio from Kelly and Seacrest coming up at 6.40. Lydia Reports comes your way at 8.25. And more news on the big day here tomorrow with the huge memorial celebration for my partner and friend Bernard McGurk at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Plus, renaming the studio right here at WABC. Lots to do. Keep it right here. Number one rated news talk show in New York City. That's me. And I'll be back on WABC right after this. Podcast Network. tell you, man, I don't know what's happened to our society. I don't know. I was having dinner last night, and uh, David Muir came on the screen. He does the uh, Channel 7 ABC. He's the, uh, the 630 guy, you know. Lester Holt was on NBC, and I guess Nora O'Donnell is on CBS. And Muir is a pr- pretty boy, but he's an uh, idiot. So he comes on the screen, and um, if you don't know about it, there was another school shooting last night in uh, St. Louis, in Missouri. Some 19-year-old kid went out there and um, to his high school. He had already graduated this school. I think it was a school of arts. I think it was a school of arts. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, I think Eric Adams is calling me, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and he went in and he started shooting. And he killed one young student and one teacher. And Muir started with that last night. And I think some other kid is, uh, his trial is starting today for a school shooting, well, someplace else. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so commonplace now. I remember 1999 uh, like it was yesterday. And 
That was Columbine. And they did it, Klebold and Harris, on April 20th, back in 1999, because April 20th, the day after my birthday, happens to be Adolf Hitler's birthday. And these two kids purposely committed that heinous act on Hitler's birthday. And I remember when I saw it, I was living in Boca Raton. I was crippled with despair. I couldn't believe that two kids went into a school and started shooting their classmates. I couldn't believe it. And then I remember specifically one beautiful young girl, maybe 16, 17, I forget the exact age. Her funeral was like a week later, and I stayed home that day from work. Something was going on. I don't remember what it was, but I watched the whole funeral. And I remember saying, thank God this is like an isolated incident. It's so gross and so scary in Colorado. I think it was Littleton. Thank God it's an isolated incident, and, you know, that's it. And then over the last 23 years, well, it happens like every week. Now, there are some that are worse than others. I can't believe we're still talking about the cops in Uvalde, Texas. I mean, come on already. I remember yelling at Lydia with Bernard on the phone three months ago. Stop talking about the cops. We know they screwed up. You got to say it every day. The cops don't have a tough enough time in this country as it is. We're going to blast. We get it. They failed miserably. Fire everybody. I don't care. But stop talking about it every day. Yesterday, they were still talking about the Uvalde police. But that one was particularly rough because they were young kids. Same thing with Adam Lanza and Sandy Hook because they were young kids. And then, of course, you go back to Parkland, Florida, Valentine's Day. Nicholas Cruz, who murdered 17, and we find out last week that whatever he did was not heinous enough, was not heinous enough to get the death penalty. I guess you got to kill 30, 40. I don't know. I was shocked by that judgment. So here it is again. You know, only two dead. Only two dead. Oh. It's sad, man. What is going on with our kids? Now, they're going to talk about guns and guns and guns and guns and guns and it's fine. I'm already, I know that already. That's uh, predictable. It used to really annoy me and aggravate me, but it's so predictable. But there's a much bigger issue in our society. Because the truth is, if I wanted to find a gun today, illegally, I can do it in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Legally, that's the problem because you actually have to abide by the law. Sometimes these kids have parents have guns. I got them, Lanza, and others. Getting the gun to me is not the issue. The issue is what is going on with our teenage kids that they just go to school with a gun one day and start shooting. That is, that's terrifying. That's, I mean, I got a kid who goes to school here in New York City. My daughter's in college. You know, not not too many college campus attacks. You have to go back. Believe it or not, Lou, you'll remember this. The week after we had the I Miss Rutgers incident, do you remember what happened in the news the very next week, which had a lot of people saying, if this had happened last week, Don Imus would still be at WFAN and on NBC. Do you remember? Yeah, there was another, was it another shooting? But it was a college. 
Believe it or not, it was an Asian kid who went berserk on the campus oh, yeah, at this. Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech. And that happened right, in Blacksburg right. the week after our Rutgers incident. That's right. And everybody said it was a slow news week and black lives, not black lives, uh, media matters picked up on Amos and blah, blah, blah. If that kid had done that the week before, no one would have said a word about the whole Rutgers incident. Nobody. Nick. But that was, that's like the only college one I know about. That, and could you believe it was on the front page Every day. Every day. Uh, the Imus thing. No, was no, I know. Every, I, like, I can't believe it. Yeah. And then you turn on the television every, when I woke up in the afternoon. Everywhere. Uh, it's on every talk I show. I know. This uh, is the only thing they're talking about. Barbara Walters, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, I remember my name is at the bottom of the screen because I was doing the show from Miami. So you didn't see me. All you saw at the bottom of the screen, if you watch the video even today, is Sid Rosenberg, 790 The Ticket in Miami. And I remember watching Oprah Winfrey. She had Spike Lee on, and he killed me because he confused what I said, which was nothing, with what I said, and even Bernard. But it was everywhere. Bernard's, you know, Ted Koppel. And, and the everybody that used to be a guest. Remember, bailed. Like, they all bailed. Remember Craig Crawford, people yeah, like that. They bailed. And they were on these big panels discussing with Imus. You know, is he... Is he responsible for the youths? Uh, it was. I went. I sat down on the couch. I. I can't believe this is going on. <laughs> Are you kidding? This is this big. Very few people stuck by Imus during that no, period. No, almost nobody. Yeah, Tim Russell did. <laughs> Even that was rough. No, you're right. No, no you're no. right. The day, the weekend after he was fired, he had a panel discussion with uh, a whole like five or six people who hated Imus. Yeah. And I, that's when he was on, uh, he, he came on as a guest with one of the guest hosts. And not, Charles wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't talk wow. to him. got that bad, huh? And he, called the new, and he called the newsroom trying to apologize, and Charles still wouldn't pick up the phone. Wow. And I had to talk to him, and I told him I was, I, you know, I was disappointed. Yeah, of course. And he was trying to, and then Charles finally talked to him. But, you know, Tim was a, a, a really good he guy. He was a good guy, yeah. Really but, good guy. But others really, uh, I mean, completely shut it down with Imus. Uh, talking about Charles McCord, I believe he'll be on again at some point this week. He was on, of course, doing the great tribute show, which uh, tomorrow will be two weeks already. But I think he'll be back again this week. So we'll uh, we'll look at that one. But coming up again this morning, Bo Deedle, Lee Zeldin, the huge debate, the only debate between Zeldin and Hochul comes your way. New York won tonight. Spectrum, that racist Errol Lewis will moderate the debate. And we've got Zeldin on game day, which is huge. Monica Crowley coming up at 925. Also, traffic and sports coming up. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Protecting America with Rita Cosby. It's on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Rita talks with General Blaine Holt about showing appreciation for our military. Joining us now is General Blaine Holt. Clearly, when you look at what happened in Kabul, we didn't learn anything from that last helicopter leaving Saigon. Yeah, that was just heartbreaking, as we all know, the pullout, of course. And we watched the images, especially as I think about with Kabul, with all of them chasing after the plane and so many Americans and our allies left behind, which is just heartbreaking. I agree with you that we need to know what happened, who made the calls, and make sure that our military are appreciated. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! 
Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Sports brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan, who did invite me to tonight's New York Rangers game. Thank you, Pete. I can't make it. Rangers are home tonight. They've got the Islanders tomorrow. Brought to you by Peerless Boilers. Check them out. PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. We will start with a tenant at Madison Square Garden. Not the Rangers, but the Knicks, who took on the Orlando Magic last night. Here's my guy, Justin Ellick, to tell you all about it. Well, thank you, Sid. And indeed, we will start on the hardwood here where the Knicks. They grabbed their second win of the young season at home over the Orlando Magic by a score of 115 to 102. The Knicks were a step ahead of Orlando all night long, but uh, with ball movement creating space that led to action like this. Obama <laughs> just shoving his way in and lost it. Pass ahead to top and behind the back. Spectacular teamwork by the Knicks. It's the largest lead of the night. Pace and space in their face now. Pace and space in their face. The great Clyde Frazier with Mike Breen on the call. Barrett ended with 20 points. Julius Randle added 25 to go with 12 rebounds. And Jalen Brunson, he was a presence as well with 21 days. Name is the Knicks. They feel good going into an off day today before welcoming in the Hornets tomorrow. As for the Nets, they fell on the road in Memphis, 134 to 124. To fall to 1-2 on the new season. Kevin Oran and Kyrie Irving, they both shined with 37 points. When's the last time they both scored 37 and lost? Well, that happened last night but the, with the Grizzlies, John Morant and Desmond Bain scoring 38 each on Memphis. This is in. The Nets will be off as well today before heading to Milwaukee for a date with the Bucks tomorrow night. And on the ice, it was just the Devils in action at home against the Washington Capitals. Alexander Ovechkin and the Caps stole the show all night as Ovi makes history with his 783rd career goal during a big second period to help Washington topple the Devs 6-3. to The goal by Ovechkin turned out to be the 122nd game winner of his career, passing Gordie Howe on that list for second overall. Behind only Yaramir Yager up next for New Jersey is a quick trip to Detroit tonight to face off with the Red Wings at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also tonight, the Rangers Get set to welcome in the Colorado Avalanche for an 8 p.m. Eastern time puck drop. And week seven of the NFL season came to a close last night in Foxborough between the Patriots and Chicago Bears. Justin Fields took down his counterparts, Mac Jones, and then Bailey Zappi in a battle of young quarterbacks as the Bears escaped New England with the 33-14 win. Both teams now sit at 3-4 and four overall. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg, who I had not ever spoken Done to an before. interview with. And we used to work in the same building, and I was like, how is it possible we've never even bumped into each other? Like, when I worked at All My Children, that's where that broadcast center is. And I was like, how have we never spoken to each other before? Anyway, he too has written a book and he was giving my book such props. And I said, you know, I'm going to give your book. I'll give it a plug on my show. Cause I, Talk show. Yeah, you got a show. You're this not is, the only this one. This is like a radio show on TV, right? In fairness, I have not read his book yet because I just got <laughs> it this morning because I ordered it on Amazon because I went to the bookstore. It wasn't there, so I had to order it. Right. So it just came this morning. I'm so grateful to have it. But it's called Citizens United, and I promised him I would hold it up on the air, and I will read it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, uh, and I think it's a lot of... From Audrey was trying to read it quickly backstage. She said, You were trying to read the whole book backstage? Well, Audrey's a fast reader, and I was like, I I haven't read it yet. I just got it this morning. I literally opened the box. So she said that it's, uh, uh, 
you, you said that it's his life's story with sports and like wellness and fitness, pop culture references, and his opinion on everything. Yes. Okay. Unvarnished opinion. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I will let you know about it after I read it. And I give up forever to touch you. Cause I know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven i'll ever be and i don't wanna go home right now and all i could taste is this moment and all i can breathe is your life and sooner or later it's over i just don't actual audio from the live with Kelly and Ryan show yesterday channel 7 here in New York Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest Kelly came on this show on Friday I promoted her book live wire she loved the interview she thought I was great she promised me during the interview she would promote my book and sure enough yesterday on their show with millions and millions and millions not an exaggeration of viewers she did just that. So, Kelly Ripper, I love you. That's it. Ryan, not a big fan, but that's okay. There's a great story here about a guy named Bill Donahue. So, if you're a Bernie and Sid fan, you know that Bill Donahue used to come on with me and Bernie every year, St. Patrick's Day. He's the head of the Catholic League, and he is a scream, this guy. He, um, he is not afraid to tell it the way it is. He's angry, of course, with the folks at the parade because... They're allowing gay people to march and not pro-life people. And he's yelled and screamed about a ton of stuff before. Well, you know, folks, that I went nuts a couple of weekends ago when this low-life piece of shizzle, as Bernie would say, Ed K. Shanahan, wrote an obituary about my friend Bernard in the New York Times. It was a complete hit piece. Complete hit piece. It actually started with the Rutgers incident, talking about that as we did last segment. I mean, here's a guy that was in this business for over three decades, was a just a brilliant comic analyst on shows like Imus and this show, which went to number one in New York. And this lowlife Shanahan spends the first, I don't know, three or four paragraphs of this awful obituary talking about Rutgers, that incident. And you know I went nuts. And I obliterated Shanahan on Twitter. This goes back a couple of Saturdays ago. Because I remember that morning I was talking to Katz and uh, Chad and Emily. And Emily said, oh, look, there's an obit about Bernie today. And I'm like, oh, how nice. And it was a disaster. So I killed the guy and you guys helped out the Bernie and Sid Army on Twitter. You went after him and Errol Lewis. That was all great. But Bill Donahue, the head of the Catholic League, actually wrote something in the New York Times, I believe, the same paper taking Shanahan to task for his hateful obituary about Bernard. And I'm like, God, I love Bill Donahue. 
And really, I became familiar with Bill through Bernie. You know, they're both Irish and the whole thing, the St. Patrick's Day and all that. And then I became Bill Donahue's favorite Jew. So long story short, Bill Donahue will come on today. This is so exciting. In between Bo Deedle and Lee Zeldin. So now the guest list reads Bo Deedle 740, Bill Donahue 805, Lee Zeldin on game day, which never happens. He's actually debating Kathy Hochul on New York One tonight. He'll be on at 840. Monica Crowley at 925. And it looks like Gordon Chang will join us as well today because Ping just picked up his unprecedented third victory in China. No one has ever served, I believe, three terms. Ping gets it. And we'll talk to Chang about that, plus all the protests in the streets in Iran. So this is, um, this is a blockbuster show the day before, mind you. The big memorial service, the big celebration for Bernard at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which starts at 10 o'clock tomorrow. You're all invited. We expect at least 5,000 people there tomorrow. That's not an exaggeration. It'll be on from 10 to 1130. And we can't wait to see all of you on Fifth Avenue as we say our final goodbyes to the great Bernard McGurk. How about that, Lewis? Very exciting, huh? It is a lot of. I can't wait to hear Gordon Chang talk about whatever disaster is coming yeah. out right now. And he's so. I know he comes on. He's like, we're, uh, you know, we're uh, the Chinese. They're going to kill all of us. I'm like, what do you mean, man? Something that not many people are aware of, Sid. <laughs> There is a nuclear virus about to approach the Atlantic, and not many scientists have actually studied it. And, and that's not a, 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 um, a, you know, it's pretty close to what he says when he comes on. You know, whether it's North Korea or China, any one of these countries, it's always like like Armageddon is right around the corner. But he sounds so calm. I know, I know. Like, uh, yeah. Well, it actually could obliterate <laughs> up to 18 million of us in a single strike. You're right. Yet, yeah. this hemisphere is coated with a substance that the uh, the nuclear scientists have not yet uh, perfected. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, Feel he good. never raises his voice. He no. never sounds no. angry or alarmed. No. <laughs> but he's basically telling everybody, we're all going to die. That's really it. Yeah. So. This planet could be gone by the year 2025, yet I am um, very upset the Yankees could not finish off Houston or right. even win a game. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. him. So that is coming up uh, later on today. Bo Beetle into Bill Donahue into Lee Zeldin into Gordon Chang into Monica Crowley. And then, of course, uh, three big debates come your way tonight, not just here in New York with Zeldin and Hochul. Michigan, big gubernatorial debate in Michigan tonight. Pennsylvania, too. So you know that uh, Donald Trump, my guy, is in a, um, he's in a war now with DeSantis. But you know Trump. Listen, I love Donald Trump. He's my guy. But sometimes he acts like a little bitch. Let's be honest. So he gets jealous, you know. So DeSantis is starting to get some love, and that's going to piss off Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump made Ron DeSantis. You guys do uh, understand that, right? There was a guy named Gillum down in the state of Florida who was running for governor, African-American guy, ended up in a hotel room with a gay guy and a bunch of meth after he lost and got arrested. But um, Gillum was the odds-on favorite to win the gubernatorial in the state of Florida. Here comes Donald Trump. He endorses a guy named Ron DeSantis, who no one had ever heard of, really. And DeSantis goes on to win. 
So you know how Donald Trump is. If I did that for you, I basically own you. It's not I did you a favor, you do me a favor. Now I own you. That's Trump. That's how he is. So there's a guy in Colorado, and the guy's name is Joe O'Day, and he's running for Senate. And Ron DeSantis really likes this guy. How do I know that? He actually did a commercial, believe it or not, for Joe O'Day extolling his virtues. So let's play the commercial first. This is DeSantis talking about O'Day in Colorado. Cut 21, and then I'll tell you where Donald Trump gets upset. Hello, this is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. America needs strong leadership and desperately. That's why I'm endorsing Joe O'Day for U.S. Senate. Colorado, please vote for Joe O'Day. I've watched Joe from a distance and I'm impressed. This guy's not a career politician. He's a contractor. He's built a company from nothing. He's a leader who knows how to fight and to get results. Michael Bennett votes with Joe Biden 98% of the time. The results have been a disaster for the American people. Colorado needs new leadership. Joe's focused on building the wall and cracking down on crime. He'll stand up to the big spending politicians in both parties and cut red tape. Vote Joe O'Day and let's turn Colorado red. All right, fair enough. Ron DeSantis, vote Joe O'Day. He's a Republican. Let's turn Colorado red. That's all fine and dandy with me and would have been with Bernard and uh, Donald Trump, I'm sure, too. But there's an issue here. And it ain't about turning Colorado red. It's about Joe O'Day specifically. Let me take you to about a week ago on a Sunday on CNN with Dana Bash. She had Joe O'Day on. And here's what Joe O'Day had to say. And then you'll know why Donald Trump is not very happy with Ron DeSantis. Play it, Lou. Uh, which, I don't know which. Oh, I see, I see it. Yeah. I don't think moving. Donald Trump should run again. I'm going to actively, I'm going to actively campaign against Donald Trump uh, and make sure that we've got four or five really great Republicans right now. I'm going to actively campaign against Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump should run again. He goes on to name some of those four or five Republicans. And, of course, he starts with Ron DeSantis. Trump saw this. Now, O'Day didn't only do CNN. He did about three shows that day. And on every show... He made it a point to say Donald Trump should not run again. And I like these other four or five guys. So when Trump sees DeSantis, and he made DeSantis, he did, to Donald Trump's credit, he made him. When he sees DeSantis doing this commercial for a guy that now has said, I will actively campaign against Donald Trump, you can almost understand. In fact, you can. You can understand why Donald Trump is pissed. Now, Trump, uh, this is where I discredit Trump, he doesn't know how to really handle it. You know what I'm saying? He gets, he gets so crazy and so over the top that he turns people off. Right? I mean, I, I'm at the point now where I'm all in the bag. I'm like Bernie used to be, God rest his soul. I mean, that's it. Trump's my guy. And unless he goes out there and does something illegal and heinous, I mean really heinous, he's my guy. But, but if you're somewhere on the fence and you see Trump turning on his own people, people like Ron DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis didn't say that. Joe O'Day said that. That's where some people get turned off. Again, I can see why Trump got pissed off, but there will be others that will say, hey, Trump, stop being a baby. And I think, Lou, you probably feel like uh, 
Like those Yes, ones. but knowing him, it doesn't work. Like to just, he's not going to just turn it off. No, no, no. no that's that's, how, he, that's yeah. how he operates. Yeah. That's, that's why we need him back. That's yeah. why we need him back desperately. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back to the shovel. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Get him back. Yeah. It all starts tonight, though, folks. Zeldin and Hochul, New York, won the first of three major debates around the country tonight. Once again, New York, Pennsylvania, and Michigan fresh off. The DeSantis Chris debate in Florida last night. And now, folks, don't forget, we are exactly two weeks away from Election Day. Two weeks from tonight. Hopefully, I'll be in a ballroom with Lee Zeldin celebrating a Lee Zeldin win. Two weeks from today, Election Day. Get ready, folks. You want to change America? Now's your chance. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Like Gordon Chang will join us tomorrow. He's in Alaska this morning. So still to come, and it's a huge guest list. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. Then you get Bo Deedle. Then you get Bill Donahue, the head of the Catholic League. He's going to run roughshod on that New York Times writer Ed Shanahan for his disgusting obituary about Bernard McGurk. 8.40, Lee Zeldin coming here on game day. That's a huge story. And Monica Crowley coming up at a 9.25. One story that has nothing to do, well, maybe it does, politics, is uh, Kanye West. He's been everywhere as of late. I had Dove hiking on a couple of days ago talking about Kanye and his anti-Semitic remarks, which is not a small thing because Kanye West does have millions of fans all over the world. And when they hear Kanye West start ripping the Jews, which he's done in a very loud way the last couple of weeks, I mean, with no remorse, just going right after the Jewish people, then they start to think, hey, Kanye's right. There was no good Jews. So don't ever minimize when a major star says something that's hateful. Don't ever minimize the impact. You know, I'm not Kanye West or Kelly Ripper or Stephen Van Zandt or any of these people. But when I say something, I'm not even E.F. Hutton. But when I say something, people do listen. And there are some people, not the millions like Kanye West, there are some that will go with what I say and adopt it as their own philosophy. And I'm a nobody compared to some of these folks. So when Kanye West goes out there and says, hey, 
these no-good Jews run everything, and people are like, yeah, you know, he right. So long story short, he had a big deal with Adidas. They were paying uh, Kanye West a lot of money, a lot of money, and they asked him. And if you missed some of the comments, Piers Morgan did a great interview with Kanye West. Chris Cuomo had him on, too, but I really thought Piers Morgan got the best out of Yee. He gave Yee an opportunity to apologize for his anti-Semitic rant, and he didn't do it. So if you missed it, Piers Morgan and Kanye West, here it is. Do you now regret saying death gone free on Jewish people? Are you sorry you said that? No. I think it matters. You should be. Absolutely not. You should be. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you should be. <laughs> Absolutely not. When you Dirt insult bag. the Jewish people and say you're going death gone free on the Jewish people, that is as racist as anything you say you've been through and any pain that you've experienced. It's the same thing. Racism is racism. And you know that, I think, don't you? Yeah, obviously, <laughs> that's why I said it. So you said it knowing it's racist? Yes, I fought fire with fire. Okay. I'm not here to get hosed down. At least that's it's a honest. different type of freedom fighter. You know, I will say I'm sorry for the people that I hurt with the DEFCON, the, the confusion that I call. I feel mm. like I, call, I cause hurt and confusion. And I'm sorry for the families of the people that had nothing to do with the, the trauma that I had been through and that I use my platform where you say hurt people hurt people. And I, I was hurt. So this becomes a mental health thing, right? Because Kanye West is epping nuts. It's crazy. And there are rumors that when Kim Kardashian broke up with him, he stopped taking his medication. And this becomes an excuse. Howard Stern did a very good job last week blasting that theory. We're tired of it. You know, Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul do the same thing. You know, Eric Adams said last week... That person was crazy, not violent. I'm not sure the two are mutually, ex- are mutually exclusive. I mean, I, I, I think every person who commits a violent crime that is not acting in self-defense, every one of them is crazy. Agre- Everyone. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Right. So There's don't no- tell me, well, no, it's, you know, Kanye West is, he's got some issues and he's on his med. I don't want to hear it. He's a hateful guy, and maybe when he's off his medication, that's when you get the real Kanye West. The medication, you know, I remember Mike Tyson, for example, did an interview with Barbara Walters many, many, many years ago when he was married to Robin Givens. You remember that. And he sat there in such a medicated stupor, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. And then, of course, when uh, Iron Mike, who I love dearly, know him very, very well. He's been on my show a million times. I really do think he's a decent guy. He got framed by Don King for that ridiculous rape charge out in Indianapolis. He didn't rape that girl. Anyway, you know, you put these people on medication, and they're okay for a little while. Then they go off the medication, and you find out who they really are, like this Kanye West. And Hochul and Adams, all they want to talk about is the mentally ill, not the animals on the street that are making life miserable for all of us. And that's why Lee Zeldin has a golden opportunity tonight. And he has been kicking ass. A lot of those polls had Zeldin down by as many as 18 points not that long ago. Now there are two polls where he's winning. So people are paying attention 
Democrats like Bob Holden and others are saying, I'm endorsing Lee Zeldin. I'm sick and tired of the crime in this city. Now, last couple of weeks, noticing how the polls are going, midterms two weeks away, all of a sudden, Kathy Hochul, all of a sudden, crime matters. It hasn't mattered for the longest time. She had no issue, no issue allowing violent offenders back on the street committing crimes. Didn't even care about it. She was too busy worried about where her next million-dollar check was coming from. What corrupt person out there was going to give her, well, the COVID guy or the, the, the bogus stadium deal, billions of dollars in taxes. That's what she was worried about. Not safety. All of a sudden, now, her lead is gone, evaporated. And she's worried about crime. So Saturday, for example, you had Hochul and Adams and a bunch of uh, losers. I don't know who these people are. The judges or, I don't know, attorneys. And they're doing this little crime summit thing. I mean, Eric Adams, the mayor, actually had his own crime summit. This was in the subway, how they were going to combat the subway issue. And this was uh, Kathy Hochul Saturday in the station talking about the strategies. Good alliteration here. Lots of C's. Good alliteration, but really a bunch of nonsense. This is cut number 23, Lou. Kathy Hochul on combating the subway issue, which is a major issue here in New York. We have a crime-fighting strategy. We've leaned into proven law enforcement strategies, investing in new technologies that will make a difference. And we're providing New Yorkers the support and the help they need. Here's what we're calling it. Cops, cameras, care. Cute. Nice Did you remember the three C's? <laughs> the three C's. I mean, I got a C word for you too, honey. Oh, right. <laughs> oh come on! You can't say that. C C Let's see. What C word can I come up with for Kathy Hochul? Okay. So she goes on to say. After that nonsense. <laughs> You're not going to get that with uh, Riedel and uh, Berman. I can promise you that, or anybody for that matter. You want to say, say something so bad. So well, bad, yes. Kids. yes. But Margo will be upset with yeah, it. Okay, uh, sure. In fact, I'll be fired. Um, but she goes on to say after that that um, the crime thing on the subway is, is less about reality and more about fear. Now, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard, it's all in your head, folks, it's perception, it's all in your head. Where have we heard that before? We know that public safety is not only actual, but it's perceived. And when you have an incident like this, the perception is what we're fighting against. This is a safe system because of the job that the transit officers have carried out and what this chief has done in this system. That is unbelievable. He uses the word perception, and when I have dinner with the mayor, which is coming up, I can't tell you where, but it is all set for November 10th. November 10th, I'm going to sit down, have dinner with the mayor, and explain to him where he's screwing up. <laughs> as, if, as if it matters. Like Sid Rosenberg is going to tell the mayor. You, you, can't, even make, you can't make any of this up, Lou. You can, but it's true. It's going to happen. Anybody so, going to plant something there for you before you shut? <laughs> Sounds like Clemenza is going to uh, have somebody. I've got an obligation, not just to our listeners, but to the folks in this city. I really do, all kidding aside, as the voice of New York, the most rational voice, the most sensible voice in New York, I have an obligation to everybody here, all these fine people 
Not everybody living in Manhattan and these and these boroughs are uh, bad people. So I'm going to do it coming up in November, and I'm going to sit down with the mayor, and I'm going to explain to him what he's doing poorly. And one of the things he's doing poorly is continuing to use that word perception. It's not a perception. It's a reality. And she did the same thing. Kathy Hochul, this idiot. So Lee Zeldin is set to take her on later on tonight. I think Zeldin was on Fox News yesterday. I think we have a a pretty good cut here of Lee Zeldin. Of course, I can't find it. Maybe it was, uh, or maybe um, Deb Valentine played it earlier today. But he's going after her, folks. Lee Zeldin is going after her in a big way tonight, and he will join us, which is a very big deal, on game day coming up at 8.40 this morning. Once again, as I've mentioned a bunch of times this morning, three huge gubernatorial debates tonight across the country in New York, New York 1. You've got Zeldin and Hochul. You've got one in Pennsylvania tonight between Fetterman and Oz and Michigan as well. Somebody asked me, if you don't have New York 1, if you live outside the city and you don't have New York 1, first of all, you're lucky because you don't get that racist Errol Lewis, that piece of garbage. (laughs) Punch him in the mouth one of these days. Oh, I can't say it. Well, I, got, I, I am going to say it. I don't care. Um, it. That's fine. I said say it. it. I said it. Where's Mark Levin? Come on, Mark. Tell him. Say it. Say it, Mark. Say, say it. it. Say it. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Anyway, uh, can we find out? You could, It's probably streaming. You can probably stream it, right? Because the, the guy asked me, if I don't have New York 1, where can I watch this debate later on tonight? You know the answer to that, Macedonia, Phil? That's right, I said it. Thank you, Mark. There he is. A little delayed on that one. Wow, that was a great time, Mark. My God. He's an elderly Well, he's man. probably sleeping he's still, so guy. we had to wake him up just now. I... Oh, I screwed over at Rich Valdez uh, the other day, too. If you know, Rich Valdez is Mr. Call Screener for Mark Levitt. He's got Mr. Producer, which he's a great guy, and Mr. Call Screener. So Rich Valdez got an unbelievable job. He's replaced Jim Bohannon who's one of the more popular, syndicated, conservative talk show hosts in the country. And Valdez got that job. It's a big deal. So he wanted me on week one. He had a boot on on Friday, and I was supposed to be on live 1130 on Friday night. What's the issue, Lou and Phil, with Sid Rosenberg doing a live show 1130 any night of the week? You have a job early in the morning. That's right. We're actually right now. And that's when you might use a C word. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't uh, show up for my appearance, and um, I had to apologize on Saturday morning. Oh. But I'm going to do it this I said, let's tape it. Let me tape it at least at 8, 9 o'clock at night. I, I'm not going to be up any night, 1130, not even a Saturday night. I'm not up 1130. Days are over. I get up at 530 in the morning on the weekends, and I work out. We'd run errands, you know, all those types of things. So 1130 at night, I don't care when it is. Unless I'm at a wedding or an event, I'm sleeping. Wake up! Yeah, that's right. There he is again. I guess Levin is up. <laughs> Levin's up. <laughs> yeah. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Got a really good run of guests about to come your way. First off, the Bill O'Reilly morning message is coming up next. And you get the very entertaining and great, very enthusiastic Bo Deedle coming up at 740 805, it's going to be great. The head of the Catholic League, he's got a bone to pick with the New York Times about Bernie, the very entertaining Bill Donahue, coming up at 840, Lee Zeldin, and 925, Monica Crowley. Wait, before I go to break, Deb Valentine, our trusted news lady, 
has entered the studio. You got breaking news? No, I don't have breaking news, but you were asking earlier if people don't have spectrum, how can they watch tonight's debate between yes. Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin and New York Governor Kathy Ockel? Here is the answer for you. <laughs> for Spectrum non-subscribers, you can download the Spectrum News app available to Android and iPhone users. Then tap live on the menu bar at the bottom of the screen to view the debate. In addition to watching the debate on the Spectrum News app, viewers can also tune into our website by clicking here. Well, obviously, you must go to the Spectrum site and click on the open access link. So you can do it on your device or you can download the app. Excellent job. Thank you, Deb. There you have it, folks. Do it on your device or download the app and watch Zeldin run roughshod on Kathy Hochul later on tonight. And once again, Lee Zeldin set to join us. Thank you, Deb, at 840 this morning. We'll take a short break. Coming right back. A lot to do here on this Tuesday morning on 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, as the polling clouds get darker... Democrats across the country are panicking over the upcoming midterm vote on November 8th. The summer media blitz supporting the Democrats was always phony, and now the prospect of a red landslide is here. Simply put, many voters are angry about the failure to even attempt to solve severe problems. In his diminished state, President Biden tells Americans the economy is strong, the southern border is secure, and he's not responsible for the energy debacle. You would have to be a complete moron to believe any of those things. In New York, the vastly incompetent Governor Hochul may lose her race to Republican Lee Zeldin, something almost inconceivable a few months ago. So Hochul is now demanding that the mayor of New York City flood the subway with police officers to stem the horrific violence that's been going on for at least a year. A little late to the turnstile, Miss Hochul? It's pretty simple. Americans want problems solved. Democrats are not doing that. Accountability is surely coming. Please vote on November 8th. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. And if you're wondering what this all 
with you. You know, just emphasize that Bill O'Reilly was just talking about uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was on, I believe, Fox on The View. Well, how is Ted Cruz on The View? How is that possible? <laughs> Were they really looking at their guest list correctly? Well, he must have been promoting something, I would imagine. <laughs> but even if he is, I mean, you're going to tell me Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg are sitting there with Ted Cruz? Maybe Joy has a book and he was holding it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going to say next since I'm the Kelly Whippin show. But on a serious note, I mean, come on. That's unbelievable. And they let him get away with some of the stuff he said on The View? Like, for example, talking about Joe Biden, where Bill O'Reilly just said, if you believe that Joe Biden is not the fault for all these issues, you're a moron. That's basically what Ted Cruz said on The View. He blamed the Biden administration for everything. And I'd have to think that uh, Behar and Goldberg and Sonny Hostin, all these hags, as Bernie would call them, went nuts. But maybe not. I, I didn't see it. I, I don't watch The View. So I used to watch it. Believe it or not, I actually liked Rosie O'Donnell the first time around. When she came back and worked with Whoopi, that was a horrible one-two punch. But the original Rosie O'Donnell, I actually thought was pretty good. And they had that uh, Greek girl, Debbie Monitsopoulos. She wasn't bad. And then you had uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She was okay. She was certainly good to look at. Mm. Anyway, uh, here's Ted Cruz on The View blaming uh, everything on the Biden administration. This is cut number three. Number one, if you talk to people across the country, as I'm doing, I'm in the middle of a 17-state national bus tour right now. People are hurting. Lives of, of working men and women across this country have gotten really hard. They're seniors who've seen their 401ks drop 20, 25, 30 percent in the last two years, who can't afford food and rent and their mortgage. They can't afford basic expenses. And people are upset. I mean, the highest inflation in 40 years is making people's lives a lot harder. When you see someone wait in line to fill up the tank on their gas and they can't fill it up, they got to put $10 or $20 in. People are hurting. And I think if you look at the polls in pretty much every state in the country, inflation's the number one issue. Crime is the number two issue, and illegal immigration is the number three issue. And in all, all three of those, this administration's agenda has been a train wreck. Oh, somebody jumped in there. I was going to say, how was he getting away with all this without one of these ladies jumping in and yelling at him? Joy, Joy wasn't there yesterday. Oh, she wasn't MJ, there. MJ just texted me. She wasn't there. Oh, MJ texted you? Yeah. Yeah, but Sonny Hostin was there. She's yeah, a psycho. The other crazy Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and I guess somebody jumped in at the end of that, but he got a lot out there. Apparently, Yeah, not. but the, the jumping in was them switching the topic. That's why. Oh, that was it? It was like, let's move on to whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. To what? Apparently, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, did you see Sid on Kelly Ripper's show yesterday? <laughs> yeah, was yeah, that yeah, let's, yeah, let's <laughs> move on to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're hearing uh, they're trying to cancel Kelly Ripper. Uh, what you did, uh, <laughs> so then he goes on to talk about the uh, the border problem, the immigration problem, obviously. And he got away with this one, too. He talks about it being man-made. This is, once again, courtesy of The View, WABC Television here in New York. Ted Cruz on the man-made border problem. This is a man-made crisis. It was caused by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Three decisions they made caused this crisis. Number one, they halted construction of the border wall. Number two, they reinstated the disastrous policy of catch and release. And number three, Biden pulled out of the incredibly successful remain in Mexico policy. That's what caused this crisis. We went from, under Donald Trump, the lowest illegal immigration in 45 years <laughs> no to in. now under Joe Biden, the highest <laughs> illegal immigration ever recorded. 4.4 million people have crossed illegally. I can't believe he's getting away with that on The View. I mean, he's telling the truth. 
But I can't believe it. And also, apparently, there were some hecklers in the audience. Oh, I would think so. It. So Phil's looking for that. But wait right a now. second. Does your fiance MJ, actually watch that show? It's on when I, if I get home. Oh, MJ, her. what it's, do you... Well, it's, she sees the news, at least. She's I guess wor- she hate watches. Well, she's working at the same time. She's hate watching. Yeah, hate Right, watching. so she's going to say, hey, Lou, tell Sid I, I saw on The View today. If I ever have walked in and I see that, I went, God, oh, my God, no, That's it. You're done. I can't. How I long can't, you guys together? I can't take it. 20 years? Yeah, almost. Yeah, it'll be over if you walk in and she's watching The View. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're getting excited. (laughs) Naked. Right, I'm watching The View naked. Uh, Henry Cuellar, a Texas congressman, was on Fox News on Sunday. This was actually funny because it's Sunday. You know Sundays are made for football. And Cuellar used a football analogy to actually describe what he thinks would be a good way to solve the border problem. Once again, courtesy of Fox News, Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar. This goes back to Sunday. Lewis, this is cut number six. We can spend all the defense on the one-yard line called the U.S.-Mexico border, but if we don't go to their 20-yard line, work with Guatemala, work with Mexico, and and get them engaged so they can stop (laughs) those folks from coming in, then they're just going to be at our uh, doorsteps, and we've got to make sure that we understand the importance of uh, securing our border. I can't believe Ted Cruz still. That's a good cut from Cuellar, but Ted Cruz on The View allowed to tell the truth. That's unbelievable. I mean, I got, if Behar is there, it doesn't happen, right? Because she just jumps in and gets crazy. And I have to tell you, some of the things I have read are completely inaccurate of what you said. That is, I, I, I don't know how you can even state that that's true. <laughs> she wouldn't even be that nice. No, she gets crazy. Yeah, she'd be... She name calls and... Wow, that is good stuff. Ted Cruz, he uh, one of my heroes, I must tell you. All right, Bo Deedle is coming up at 740. Bill Donahue is coming up at 805. That's going to be great. Lee Zeldin on game day has his big debate with Hochul on New York One tonight. He's doing one show today. That's mine. He's coming up at 840. And also the talented Monica Crowley stopping by at 925. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Who says I can't get stoned? Turn off the lights and the telephone. Me and my house alone. Who says I can't get stoned? We do have audio, actually, of Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Cruz going back and forth. It didn't seem realistic to me that Ted Cruz, even without Joy Behar, can go on The View and host in and Goldberg and the rest of those ladies and just say what he wanted to say, which is basically Biden is destroying the country without any pushback. So there was plenty of pushback. And we'll play some of that in the 9 o'clock hour. Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Cruz going toe-to-toe. But we've got a good one of guests here coming up. Lee Zeldin, he'll debate Hochul tonight, doing one show this morning. That's me. He's coming up at 8.40. Bill Donahue, the head of the Catholic League, he's about to go nuts on the New York Times writer who wrote that horrible obituary about Bernard McGurk. And, of course, our guest right now, 7.40, every Tuesday morning, for the better part of three decades, one of the greatest cops in the history of New York. He's gone on to become a tremendous actor. I mean, really great, whether it's The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, Gravesend, Godfather of Harlem. He's great in all of it. And most importantly, for nearly 30 years, dear friends with both me 
and our late friend Bernard McGurk. Here he is, the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo. How are you, buddy? Well, you guys are a little behind here. It's at 7.45. Where's Jeff and Alec? Come on, buddy. All right. We got a lot Listen. going on here, Bo. A lot going on. You got a good 10 minutes. You got it. All right. Here we go. Saturday, I went into Whitestone. I was in the Hamptons. I drove all the way in. Yeah. Because our next governor, Lee Zeldin, was uh, speaking. Uh, Andrew uh, Giuliani was yep. there with me. Yep. They let me speak. Uh, Esposito and the uh, next attorney general, who I really like, this Michael Henry spoke also. And I tell you what, Lee Zeldin must have lost about 30 pounds. He is the hardest working candidate I've ever seen. He's unbelievable. He goes from campaign to campaign. If there's three people there, he shows up there. This guy wants to be the governor for all the good reasons because he wants to save New York City and New York State. He actually the- left He actually left that uh, event in Whitestone because I spoke to Lee also all day Saturday. And he came yeah. to my neighborhood. He came to 129th Street outside of Jameson's Pub on a Freedom Fest weekend in the Rockaways and spoke there right after he was done with you and Andrew in Whitestone, I think he had four events on Saturday. Un- un- unbelievable work ethics. Now, if the people of New York, the Democrats, Independents, Republicans, want a hard-working man as the governor, there's no even thought about any choice. This guy is there for one reason, to make our lives better. And, you know, it's, it's a lot worse than we think, you know, as far as if we don't pull this election across this country, win back Congress and Senate. I was listening to Mark Levin last night. You know, we got some real serious problems with heating oil, diesel fuel, and we're running out. And if we don't do something, if we don't take back these nonsensical things that Biden put into play, we've got to start opening up our our energy supply. To me, that's the scariest thing we're talking about. Now we're going to go into the crime and all that. Well, before you you go there, don't forget that New York, we have a bunch of pipelines here here in yeah. New York, we, 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 you know, and for some reason, Cuomo and Hochul, they don't want to yeah. frack here in New York. They don't want that. And, and we are energy independent right here in New York. And if Zeldin wins, believe me when I tell you, those pipelines, they're opening up. Well, you know, and then we got to deal. We got to deal with the federal government too. So we got to do this across the board. So when we have a new Congress that comes in at the end of January and a new Senate, we can open this all up. You know, we have the debate tonight. I was supposed to have dinner, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna sit home and watch this. This racist, racist. Yes, Errol Lewis. I had my own <laughs> deals with this punk. He's a low ball interviewer. I remember when I ran for mayor, they had to put me on, and all of a sudden. I raised too much money for them to keep me out. And for the mayor of New York City, this regurgitation, Eric Lewis, this punk, shut my mic off when I was attacking Bird de Blasio, when I was talking about his non-support for the police. Also, when I would go after de Blasio about his pay-for-play corruption, Errol Lewis shut my mic off several times. This punk couldn't moderate a schoolyard argument in kindergarten. <laughs> He's such a douche. And I'm going to tell you something. I stand by you. And you know what? I agree with you. I'd like to punch him in the mouth too, kid. So we both said it, okay? Uh, then, 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 I heard, then I heard this Andrew Como, my friend there, on Katz's show on Friday night. And now all of a sudden he became a crime fighter. Hey, Andrew, it was on your watch when they passed this bullcrap Bail reform. Now all of a sudden you're a crime fighter. You sna- you sound just like snaggletooth 
Empress Ming. All of a sudden, she's a crime fighter. Two weeks before the election, now she's popping up in the, oh, I'm not afraid of none. But why don't you walk around the subways yep. without 18 bodies? And, and by the way, it's not just that it's two weeks before, because when, when she started this, uh, Bo, she had an 18-point yeah. lead over Lee Zeldin. If she was still maintaining an 18-point lead, you could bet your very last dollar she never would have been anywhere near the subways this weekend, even with the violence. The reason why it's less about it's two weeks away, it's more about her lead has completely evaporated. So now she's that, desperate. So It's so obvious. And, you know, I passed by... I passed by that Manhattan State Hospital over there, uh, over there by Randall's Island, and all the lights are dim. There's nobody in there. You got hundreds, if not thousands, of beds in there for these mentally ill. Now they talk about opening up 25 beds for mentally ill. You can get them at one train stop. 25 <laughs> mentally ill people, you fools. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, I keep going back to Snaggle Tooth Empress Ming. All of a sudden, she's now. The big crime fighter. She is full of crap. All she's good for is taking money. Whatever you want to get done, just give her, give her a check. She'll take care of everybody. That pumpkin who's the billionaire up in Buffalo there with the football team, now he's worth 20% more because of that, that deal that went down there with all our New York State funding to build a new, a, a new stadium there and the deal with our husband. She is one corrupt son of a gun. And the most important thing here is we got 4,000 cops that are going to leave this year. They're talking about flooding the subways with more cops. Only problem is you're going to keep flooding. Now we're down. We're down. These cops don't want to work overtime. They're going to be forced to work overtime. They're going to stop them from working moonlighting. They're allowed to moonlight now when they get permission. They will make an emergency order stopping them from working off-duty. And then you know what? You're going to have cops in the subway. Yeah, you'll have them all over. How long will that last? Right after <laughs> election. And then they'll disappear again. You can't survive with this overtime that they're talking about right now. And you know what? I talk to cops every damn day. And every day these guys are putting their papers in. They're going out. If you don't change the whole direction, we will not have a police force. And again, People with gun permits, I tell everybody, if you're a good, upstanding citizen and you could qualify, but learn how to use your gun and you should be able to carry a gun to protect yourself and your family because certainly nobody else is protecting. The criminals are controlling everything, everything. I, I, just, I know. I'm crazy listening to this woman. <laughs> but, but, you know, I tell you what, you know what's scary? What's scary is uh, I keep going back to it. And all your listeners, I tell people, call up Democrats, independents, pick up the phone. I'm really scared about, more scared about the fuel oil, diesel oil, all our natural resources. We see what's going on in Europe. And I'm not an economist, but I listened to Mark Levin, and Mark Levin was explaining about that we have maybe a 30-day supply of diesel fuel. Yep. This is serious stuff. And right now, we're not doing anything about it. Unless we change that Congress, this is going to continue. And we're going to be looking at each other a year from now when we're on the radio together. And you know what, Sid? You're going to be saying, you know, Bo, we were talking about this before the election. And I tell you what, everybody's rah, rah. We're going to win, win, we're going to win. I'm scared stiff. I'm scared stiff that we may not win because you have all the cheaters there, all the cheaters in the Board of Elections, and they're going to try their hearts 
to knock these things out. And if we don't win, all we're going to do, we're never going to see the light again, Sid. And it, I want to scare people so you get out, have other people get out and vote. Please vote. And uh, tomorrow, we can't we can't take away from our, our beautiful memorial we're going to have from my friend Bernard McGurk. His wife, Carol, called me and asked me if I would speak. And I said, well, I'm a tough guy. I think I'm a tough guy, but <laughs> I'm not that tough. You know, you know who's a tough guy? Bernard McGurk was a tough guy. He's the guy who is my hero. And when you talk about, oh, he's a tough guy, there is nobody that was tougher than our friend Bernard McGurk. And tomorrow we're going to honor him. And I'm very honored that, that Carol asked me to speak. And I'll be there. And I hope everybody's there because they don't make human beings like Bernard McGurk. And tomorrow we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate his life. And, and you know, Sid, we can't be too down. We've yeah. got to be on an yeah. upbeat because yeah. he made people. He's my friend 38 years. And I got very close when I got him into that Sloan Kettering last January. And I thought we were going to save him. But it didn't happen. So tomorrow it's about positivity of the greatness that Bernard McGurk and the entertainment he brought, brought to everybody. Yep. Bernard McGurk is a true American hero. Now let's wrap it up right there, Bo. Thank you so much. Another great appearance. And you're right, and tomorrow should be about five or 6,000 people. That is the number we're looking at at St. Patrick's Cathedral. It all starts right after my show at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, 10 to 11.30. Bo is going to speak. I'm going to speak, obviously, too, as well as family members. I'm sure Chad and John are going to speak as well. And it'll be 90 minutes celebrating the life of Bernard McGurk. And I also believe tomorrow, adding to what Bo just talked about, they're going to rename the studio where I am right now, John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, and Chad Lopez, the Bernard McGurk studio here at uh, WABC, which is a really huge honor. So when you combine naming the studio here, where we all do our shows, especially me after Bernard, and the service at the cathedral tomorrow what a uh, what a real beautiful send off for our friend uh, Bernard McGurk. Paul, was always excellent job. I love you. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. And Sid, one more one more thing on the way out. Please, please, I beg everyone to pick up the phones to other people. Do not take this for granted that we can win. We have to win in November across the board. Please, this is so important because if we don't. We're never going to see the light again. All right. Well said. Bo Deedle on the money. Another great appearance. Talking about serious topics. The oil, he's right. The diesel, he's right. Levin talked about it last night. Kathy Hochul, Lee Zeldin, and, of course, our dear friend Bernard McGurk. 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number. 1-800-848-9222. Got a huge 8 o'clock hour coming your way. The head of the Catholic League. And he's going to defend Bernard McGurk in a big way against this New York Times writer, Ed Shanahan. Bill Donahue is going to stop by, plus Lydia reports, and then the only interview you'll hear all morning long from Lee Zeldin as he gets set to take on Kathy Hochul in that big debate later on tonight. We wrap up this hour, huge 8 o'clock hour ahead. John Mayer, say on the way out. Say what you need to say. 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 Ernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Phil Donahue, the head of the Catholic League, to call us today. Phil went nuts, as I did, on Ed K. Shanahan, that writer for the New York Times who wrote that really nasty obituary after Bernard passed away, concentrating on that Rutgers nonsense, which was nonsense. It was only made popular because it was a very slow news week and turned a lot of careers upside down, mind you. And that's what this guy Shanahan seized on and uh, pissed me off and also pissed off Phil Donahue, who was a very good friend of me and Bernie on this show a lot, especially St. Patrick's Day. So Bill is supposed to be calling in. And don't forget, coming up at 840, the only interview he's doing this morning, the man running for governor, huge debate later on tonight against Kathy Hochul, Lee Zeldin, with me right here. But I did talk about this uh, Ted Cruz appearance on The View before Bo Deedle came on. Bo was great. And uh, Cruz was allowed to get out a whole bunch of stuff because Joy Behar wasn't there. (laughs) But uh, there was some pretty serious back and forth, which I thought would be the case. Whoopi Goldberg was still there. Sonny Hostin was still there. So while Ted Cruz made the point that the border issue is man-made, blamed it on Biden, while Ted Cruz made the point that the Biden administration is responsible, and he's right, for just about every problem in this country and around the world today, he got those out. He did get some pushback later on during this television conversation on The View, especially from Whoopi Goldberg. Although, sit down a second, Macedonia Bill did, um, who else gave him a hard time? Anna Navarro, was she on that show too? Yeah, she was sitting right next to him. She gave him a hard time? Uh, she was just getting mad when he started like providing uh, like details and facts. Like facts, right. Yeah, she started what does she look like, Anna Navarro? I forgot. She looks like Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, really? Like, like that? She's yeah, heavy. Uh, actually, she's heavy, okay. I thought, I thought it was Rosie O'Donnell for a second. I was like, that's not her. Okay. All right. Well, let's do the uh, Whoopi Goldberg one first. <laughs> Talking about rioting. And nobody riots like the Democrats. Nobody. They set the world on fire the summer of 2020. How in the world Democrats can deny that? How? All these major cities were literally on fire burning down the police department in Minneapolis, fires in Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, Portland, New York, crimes and fires, rioting. I mean, uh, Bill Bill Downey was calling me here. Come in the uh, studio here quick, Bill. Come in here. They made January 6th, all those nights, any given night during the summer of 2020, they made January 6th look like a fire drill. And that was a rough day, January 6th, an embarrassing day, but not nearly as violent. Not nearly. No cops died that day, not five, not any. On any given night during the summer of 2020, this country was on fire, and they deny it. Here's Ted Cruz and Whoopi Goldberg, cut number 24, courtesy of WABC here in New York. Try to say the election was fair and square and legitimate. You know who y'all don't do that to? You don't do it to Hillary Clinton, who stood up and said Trump stole the election. You don't do that that the election was stolen. They They sat here and said it was illegitimate, and and, and you guys were fine with it. Okay, so 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 it's illegitimate when Republicans win, but not when Democrats win. No, you know, here's the thing. We may not like when Republicans win, but we don't go and we don't storm. What? You idiot, Whoopi. You idiot. Yeah, you keep clapping, you dumb bastards. 
Did, did I miss an entire year of Antifa riots where cities across this country were Antifa burning and, and police? Know what that is, Whoopi? Yeah. yeah. Your position yeah. is the left doesn't engage in violence, yeah. really? No, they Idiot. wanted to nuke our friend Mike Pence. Like, how nah, do, shut this off. I don't want to even play this in the first place. See, I like the other cuts better when those ladies shut up and allow Ted Cruz to speak the truth. Then they jump in these morons, Whoopi Goldberg and Anna Navarro and the rest of these hags, these wenches, and now you get this awful audio. You can't even make it out. Let's go to a great man. He's the head of the Catholic League, a guy that I love and Bernie really loved, and got very, very angry with Ed Shanahan at the New York Times. I was so happy to see this because I destroyed Ed Shanahan for days. Here he is, our good friend Bill Donahue. Bill, good morning. God bless. How are you? Very good. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I miss Bernie, as I know you do. What a wonderful man. And that despicable New York Times to thrash him uh, I, make me want to reach for the vomit bag. Yeah, no, me too. And, and I went right to Twitter that day. That came out on a Saturday morning, Bill, about two weeks ago. And I blasted this guy on Twitter for two consecutive days. And then my Monday morning show, I basically spent three hours uh, just destroying Ed K. Shanahan, that's his name. So it made me so happy to see, Bill, uh, what you wrote where you did the same. This guy basically spent that whole obituary talking about Rutgers. How you take a man who was so amazing and lived 64 years and define him by one morning about that Rutgers incident is beyond despicable. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. But, you know, I want the listeners to know uh, I've been tracking anti-Catholic uh, rhetoric and behavior now for almost 30 years. And I have a, a list, a file so big on people like Bill Moore and others. And what they've said, they're so despicable. I put it in, in a news release, just some example, John Stewart, Trevor Noah, Sarah Silverman, Jay Lerner. There's no end to them. And they've said things that are so obscene and so bigoted, it would make your head spin. Not a word from the New York Times about any of them. We went back and read what they said about George Carlin. Oh, he was brilliant, scathing social critic. Uh, of course, Howard Stern, he gets away with everything as well. What an incredible double standard. How dare they, they seize on Bernie, who never had to engage in obscenities. Yeah, he was edgy. So what? That's radio talk show. We're, we're in New York, okay? And, and that's, 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 that's the shtick. But the fact of the matter is, there wasn't a mean bone in his body any more than there was a mean bone in your body. And for somebody like Ed Shanahan to paint him that way, and the head of the old bit guy, William McDonald, I guess these are the so-called Irish Catholics who are mm. working over there at the New York Times. I know I've met many of those kind of Catholics. Uh, <laughs> these people really are incredible. They, they will tolerate the most, most damnable statements said about Catholics and not a word about anything. Bernie makes, makes one day a, a little flip remarks, uh, which, okay, fine. He apologized for it. You know what? Has any of these other guys apologized no. for what they've done? No. What the New York Times did, you could do that to anybody, but they only choose people on our side. In other words, comedians who don't make them laugh. You know what's uh, interesting, Bill, is that you're defining this as anti-Catholic. And, yeah, and Bernie was, of course, Christian, and uh, there's no question about that, but now, me, I read it and I go, Ed Shanahan must be a liberal. And this is a political thing because Bernie, of course, was a conservative and, and demolished everything the liberals lived for. So it's interesting you bring up the religious aspect. I never thought about that. I thought it was strictly political. But you think there's also some Catholic backlash, too. Well, let, let me be specific. What I'm saying is this. I've been tracking what these comedians, I just gave a list of them, have been saying for 30 years. They've engaged in anti-Catholic rhetoric. And the people who are upset about a, quote, racist remark 
have the greatest of tolerance and sensitivity when it comes to anti-Catholic rants. So I think that's the backdrop there. I'm not saying that what motivated Shanahan was anti-Catholicism. What I'm saying is that he's not offended. The New York Times is not offended by anti-Catholicism. Indeed, I'll take it a step further. They contribute to mm. anti-Catholicism. Mm. Yeah. So they had, they're, they're very sensitive about some, some issues, but, but other demographic groups, boy, you can do what you want. I'll tell you what, I'll take it uh, beyond the Catholic anti-the bashing. And you know this, Bill, because you're about as smart as anybody I know. What did the New York Times do during World War II? They actually ran cover for Adolf Hitler. They wrote about 100 stories on the Holocaust and World War II, and in like two or three out of the 100 talked about the Jews being exterminated. That was it. They also ran cover for Stalin as well. So it's amazing to me that this paper, for so many years, was so respected, so revered. There were still morons in New York City walking around reading the New York Times when not just anti-Catholic but anti-Semitism, communists. I mean, they've done all this over the years. Well, let me just pick up what you said. Back in the 1930s, Walter Durante, the New York Times, he was over there watching the genocide of the Ukrainians under Stalin. He said, there are just a few problems with the revolution. It's basically going on well. In other words, he lied to the American people and to the world. <laughs> and then the other example, I've done research on this. You're absolutely right. I could be more specific. You know, how many editorials there were in the New York Times throughout the entire Holocaust, criticizing even mildly? Nine. Nine editorials wow. in the entire time it, it, while Hitler was raging. It's absolutely amazing. And you can go on and on and on. Herbert Matthews uh, claimed that Castro was just an agrarian reformer. Finally, Castro blew up and said, wait a minute, I'm a communist. I'm not an agrarian reformer. <laughs> I mean, these people are out to lunch on everything. And, of course, now they're big into the trans idea. Men can get pregnant. Critical race theory, which is based on the idea that all white people are racist. No, the New York Times has, uh, comes to the table with the, with, with the dirtiest hands in New York City. Let me take you to the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Bill. Of course, uh, you uh, have not gone the last couple of years because you made a very fair statement. Listen, if I can't wave my pro-life banner, why is it okay for the homosexual community to go to the parade and wave their banners? No one's ever given you a real solid answer to that question. So are you still at bay basically with the St. Patrick's Day folks? No, I'm done with it. Don't, I don't want people to misunderstand. I love St. Patrick, and I love the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't like the St. Patrick's Day Organized. These, these Irishmen who are running it, they're all in the pocket of the rich, and they don't care. They're just the elite. They're sucking up to them. And, you know, what's in is gay and trans and whatnot, and they will sell out. The average, average Irish Catholic, I'm waiting one of these days, they're going to get one of these trannies as, as, as the Grand Marshal. That's coming. <laughs> uh, and and it's, all, it's, all, it's all based on money, WNBC, we had the parade and whatnot. Uh, no, I know these people, but I don't want people to think that I'm anti-St. Patrick's Day Parade. I love it. I don't like the organized. As usual, it's the ruling class, isn't it? It's the elite. Just like in the FBI. It's always not the, not the rank-and-file FBI person. It's the elite. It's the ruling class that we can't trust. And I will tell you that Bernard McGurk, again, we have our huge memorial coming up tomorrow. We hope you'll be there, Bill, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., St. Patrick's Cathedral. We expect about 5,000 people to show up. Our fitting goodbye to Bernard. He was a very proud Irishman, very proud. We used to joke around. He would, you know, I'd be the Jew, he'd be the Irishman. But he was really upset with what you went through with the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And even Bernie, uh, to a little extent, uh, turned his back on that parade because of you. Well, I'll tell you, he was a great man and a, and a wonderful human being, a tremendous, uh, iconic person, as you are. 
And Thank when you. anybody would go after him or you, you're always going to have a friend in Bill Donahue here at the Catholic League. And when I said that in a video last week on YouTube, I stand by Bernie McGurk. I got to tell you, Bill, uh, Bernie told me about you when I first got to New York back in 2016, our first St. Patrick's Day together on the air. And he said, Sid, we got to get this guy Bill Donahue on. Uh, back then, it was before COVID, he used to come into the studio at uh, Madison Square Garden. Right. And it took me five minutes, Bill, five minutes to fall in love with you. And you have been a great friend for Bernie, for me these last six years, and just a tremendous guest. You are brilliant. So thank you for defending Bernard and me. Thank you for coming on today, and thank you for all you did over the years for Bernie. We both appreciate it. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you, too. The great Bill Donahue, the head of the Catholic League, that is a really good man. That is a really good man. Bill Donahue, thank you so much. Still to come this hour, Lydia reports, and then the only show he's doing this morning for his big debate with Kathy Hochul later on tonight. Republican hopeful for governor, my dear friend Lee Zeldin, stopping by at 840. Got to keep it right here. Sit with you. Tuesday morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Look at me. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Stocks extend their win streak. Technology earnings reports start today and consumer confidence forecast to decline. Those stories next. Lou Dobbs here. I want to tell you about the good folks at Lone Star Transfer. They're the industry leader in helping you get out of your timeshare. If you're stuck in one, you don't have to be. For well over a decade, Lone Star has successfully helped over 18,000 owners legally and permanently get out of their timeshare nightmare. Lone Star Transfer is simply the best in the business and with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau and thousands of five-star testimonials, their clients want you to know they trust Lone Star. They're a family-owned company that has earned a reputation for delivering first-class customer service. They guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame. With rising assessments and maintenance fees, there's never been a better time to get out of your timeshare than now. Call today to receive a free, no-obligation consultation at 844-284-4739. That's 844-284-4739 or online at LoneStarTransfer.com. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks posting another winning session Monday. Positive earnings continued to drive the market despite inflation concerns. Recent economic data hinting the Fed's rate hikes are starting to bring down prices. Microsoft and Alphabet lead off this week's technology earnings reports. Wall Street forecasting the slowest quarterly revenue growth for Microsoft in five years. The slumping PC market likely to affect the company's full-year outlook. Computer shipments have fallen more than 90 percent in the third quarter alone. Alphabet's ad revenue forecast to have declined last quarter, a growing trend affecting big tech and social media. Still, investors targeting an early 35 percent increase in Google's cloud revenue. October's Consumer Confidence Report released today, Wall Street forecasting the first decline in consumer confidence in three months. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. 
Did police made an arrest in that subway shoving that we talked about yesterday, that video that went viral where this poor guy is just walking along the platform when another guy, like a football player, comes bum rushing him, targeting him and shoves him violently onto the tracks. That victim then suffered a broken collarbone. So the suspect arrested is LaMail McRae. And here's what's going to shock you. This guy's been arrested 25 nah, times nah, before. Not true. It's his first offense, and he's a white supremacist. Yes. No, no, no. Um, and many of those arrests have been for violent crimes, including attempted murder, assault, possession of a weapon, shooting at a person. So these aren't just petty crimes. This is a career violent criminal, once again, allowed to roam the streets. There was another attack, by the way, a 62-year-old guy Sunday night in the Bronx. He was on his way to work when he was just randomly again shoved. So that's what's scaring people. This, these are random attacks no, no, that no. are happening. No, 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 sweetheart. This is your perception. Oh, that's right. uh, Eric Adams Swag, used the word uh, perception. And, and they should have shifted, pivoted, right? right they should have pivoted right. and shift. And then Kathy yes. Hochul said, it's all in your head. This is why this conversation coming up in about 12 minutes with me and Lee Zeldin, you're not going to want to miss it with the big debate coming up later on tonight. Both of those folks, Adams and Hochul, trying to convince you, Lydia, and everybody else, what your, your eyes are lying to you. It's all perception. It's all perception, and uh, this kid has been in trouble since he was like. There's he has ten sealed arrests too, so he's been doing stuff since he was a juvenile. I got some police sources that were giving me some information about this latest suspect, but this other guy, the 62 year old guy, he spoke to Pix Eleven. He was knocked onto the tracks as well. He was hit from behind. Thank God he's okay. He's only suffered minor injuries, but so far there have been nine murders on the subway system this year, and the only reason there haven't been more is because. Because thank God, New Yorkers at heart, most of them are good and decent people and help those people when they fall onto the tracks. But take a listen to this 62-year-old guy when he spoke to PIX11 and what he said. We need to get these people out of the system. Last night, I paid MTA $2.75 for a man to bash me behind my head. This mm. is why I'm pissed. Mm. You have to understand that. We are not safe in this city anymore. Wow. Well, listen, that's uh, that's true. And now, of course, Hochul, watching her lead, which was 18 points, completely evaporate, decided she was going to address this with Election Day two weeks from today in that ridiculous dog and pony show down in the subway with Adams and a bunch of attorneys and, and other folks uh, again on Saturday with her nice alliteration, crime, cops, or whatever she did there. But the truth is they don't care. Uh, that guy can speak till he's blue in the face. He can bleed to death right there by the uh, by the D train, and they don't care. It's only because the election is two weeks away or any of them even paying attention to this stuff. Well, here's what I'm going to give you some alliteration. Pathetical, pathetic political polling. Nice. That's, that's all she cares about. Yep. That's all she cares about. Pathetic polling on her part. And that's the only reason why she's increasing patrols. And now she's pretending to care about crime. But it's too little, too late. And besides, her plan doesn't even work. So you're going to use a bunch of cops and use the, the same ones with overtime for 12, what, 1,200 of them. And then yes. when are they going to stop patrolling? Right after the midterms. So they're not looking to hire more cops. They're not 
not saying, hey, we're going to reform the bail reform law. Where is her tweet about this coming out and saying, you know what, this guy with 30s, this almost 30 arrests and violent felonies, he should have never been behind bars. What about the 62 year old guy? I just said he got knocked in the head. By the way, a pregnant woman was sitting in a car when she was randomly shot yesterday in Brooklyn, a 70 year old woman walking down the street. She was also randomly shot, caught in the crossfire. Where are the tweets about it? Because they want to say it's a perception. And now that the polling indicates that we New Yorkers are not as stupid as they think we are. Now they're going to acknowledge the problem, but only up until the election. And then after that, they're going to say, screw you. OK, that's what they're going to say to us. So we have to do what's right and vote these radicals out because that's what she is. She's a radical because only a radical would believe in decarceration, would believe that it's normal for people to behave this way, because that's obviously what she thinks it is, because she's not calling for an emergency session. At least Mayor Adams knows what's going on is wrong. But he's he, he but he's not he doesn't have the the cojones, okay? The boile, whatever that's how you say it in Albania. No, no, he does. So he, to he, stand he, up he, and no, do he something. Does. He does. Uh, uh, the problem with Eric is, and I'm set to have dinner with him in a couple of weeks, and I'll tell him, is that don't don't be um, ignorant here. Don't be delusional here. Uh, don't be naive. He's still a Democrat. At the end of the day, he's still a Democrat. And he envisions himself as something even bigger than the mayor of New York City, which is huge, maybe even president one day. So he doesn't want to go out there and blow up the party because he's going to need them one day. So he does know better. He does know better. He's got the balls. He was a cop. But he's too worried about where he stands with his party. And when you do that in a city like this that is overwrought with crime, you become ineffective and people hate you. That's the problem with Eric Adams. Well, here, he's got here's the balls. Some, he's some, here's some more alliteration for you. He will never become president if he puts the party before the people, okay? There you go. So you he's, go. Got it. he's got it. He doesn't. I'm sorry. He needs to grab him and say, I don't care. I'm going to get this city safe. That's yep. it. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican. We're going to get this city safe. John Katzmatidis, 5 o'clock. That's the show that I co-host alongside him. And it's a great show. We stand for truth, justice, and the American way. And we keep it real. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, folks, Election Day, two weeks from today, that's it. We're down to the final 14 days. Your chance to change this state and the country is coming your way now in two weeks. Huge debate. Three states, actually, with big gubernatorial debates later on tonight. Pennsylvania, Michigan, but the biggest one right here in New York, where Kathy Hochul, serving as governor right now, will take on the Republican hopeful and a guy that's become a dear friend of mine. Just a terrific guy, folks. War hero, tremendous congressman for decades, loves New York, great father, two beautiful daughters, great husband, lovely wife, Lee Zeldin, and he is ready to do battle tonight on New York One. This is the only debate Kathy Hochul agreed to. He wanted four or five. He's right. She only gave him one, and that'll be later on tonight. The good news, though, folks, is a lot of these polls, which had Zeldin down as many as 18 points two months ago, Two polls already this week, Zeldin in the lead. 
with that said, here he is, my friend Lee. First of all, congratulations, Lee, on uh, all this uh, work you've done leading up to this. The polls are saying you've got the momentum and you're going to win in two weeks. So congratulations. Well, listen, Sid, it's great to be with you, and we definitely have the momentum, we have the energy, we have the issues on our side, but what we really need is for everyone out there understanding that this election isn't over until 9 p.m. two weeks from today. We need everybody doing everything in their power, telling everyone they know that they need to get out and vote. None of us can take absolutely anything for granted. This isn't about jumping on some board to ride in a wave. Uh, We're going to have to talk to people in our family, friends, neighbors, and others who view voting as some type of a game day decision. Hmm. And we have to let them know to get out. So, yes, we have the momentum. Absolutely. We have the issues. We know we have the issues on our side. We've had them on our side the entire campaign. We have the energy while the other side isn't really even running much of a campaign at all. But we can't take absolutely anything for granted. Couldn't agree more. Get out there and vote. So I got a good story for you. So Saturday you were in Whitestone with Andrew Giuliani, Bo Deedle, a host of others. Then you came to my neighborhood. First of all, what do you think of my neighborhood? How about those folks? Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> I mean, passionate. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, it they was love an awesome you. Awesome visit. Yeah, so, one of, so before you got there, I'm in one of the local bars with my wife having lunch. And a guy walks up to me. It's a true story. And uh, he's a fan of the show. And he said, I live in Breezy Point my whole life. But I bought a place recently in Jacksonville. I want to retire to Florida. And he said, Sid, here's the deal. If Lee Zeldin wins, I'm keeping my house in Breezy Point. I'm going to split the year. If Zeldin loses, I'm moving full-time to Jacksonville. So the question to you is, this goes above and beyond your own political aspirations. Now you've got New Yorkers making decisions based on your win and or loss. Is that an undue amount of pressure on you? Well, I mean, it's it's why we're in this race. That's why we're doing this. I mean, I, every single day I get people telling me, Lee, if you don't win, I'm leaving. Uh, I get people every day who tell me that they're a lifelong Democrat. They've always voted Democrat, this, but they're voting for me this year. They'll tell me this is the first time they've ever voted for a Republican. Uh, so we get this feedback uh, all the time. Sometimes it happens throughout a day many, many, many times during the day. And this isn't about Republican versus Democrat. It's Republicans, Democrats, and independents together as New Yorkers doing what we need to do to save the state. You know, the guy that bum-rushed the stage back over the summer, David Jacobonis, and attacked you, where you actually showed off all your military training. It was very impressively and subdued the guy. He actually got out of jail yesterday. But it reminded me of, uh, you know, how many folks get attacked every day. You, even you, Lee, in New York, and uh, guys just get out of jail, and they, they do it again. So you had this dog and pony show in the subways on Saturday. Kathy Hochul, the mayor, Eric Adams, a bunch of attorneys and attorney generals and other folks. And they had this uh, cute little thing about crime and cops and nice alliteration, but a program that's never going to work, mind you, adding police and then really lying to the folks about what's going on and clearly lead desperate attempt by Kathy Hochul just two weeks before the election to try to garner some confidence in voters because she's lost it all. What I saw Saturday, I thought, was a very desperate attempt and way too little, way too late. And the voters are smarter than they get credit for, and they see right through it. This is two and a half weeks out from the election. It's the day after the first poll comes out that says that I was inching ahead, actually. It was the first time a poll came out that showed her behind. 
And what she proposed isn't actually going to fix this. I mean, when you talk about how there's emotionally disturbed people on the street who need to be taken off the street, okay, well, you know, you have my attention. I've been talking about that for a long time. But she was talking about 50 beds. She says, we know everybody. We know all of the emotionally disturbed people, and we're going to get them off the street. But her proposal called for 50 beds, not 500, not 5,000. You really think that this is about 50 people in the city of New York? And then you're talking about having more cops in in subways, on subway platforms, in subway stations. Okay, you have my attention. I've been talking about that for a while. But you're not talking about hiring more people to replace a depleted NYPD. They've been losing more people now than they have in a very, very, very long time. Retirements, but also people leaving early, deciding, you know what, I just can't stay. We're not talking about hiring more law enforcement. And you're pulling people off of some other beat where they're needed there because the violence isn't just at the subway. It's also above ground, too. It's on the streets and elsewhere. And you have this stretched, thin NYPD, and you're talking about mandatory forced overtime. How long do you think that's going to work? So, I mean, you just – it was weak on the substance, and the timing was beyond suspicious. I mean, it was obviously being done because there's an election coming up in a couple weeks. I mean, I'd walk uh, eight blocks every day, leave from my offices here on 3rd Avenue to the train station, to Grand Central, and I see about 50 homeless people and violent, some of them, uh, just an eight-block walk every single day. So that number is ridiculous. And to your point about the cops, 4,000 more, Lee Zeldin, 4,000 more are set to retire in the next couple of weeks, and a lot of them leaving before their benefits even hit. Lee, they, they worked their whole lives and their whole career years for this lifetime benefits and they're like i don't care i don't want it just get me out of here what does that say it says that they that morale has taken a massive hit they feel like elected officials don't have their back there's new laws that are being passed that are undercutting them Uh, they need to be refunded they need to be better supported there should be a law enforcement bill of rights passed uh, up in Albany for the entire state. Uh, and in the city, they attack qualified immunity. They pass these other laws that have law enforcement each day exposing themselves to great risk, knowing that, you know, listen, the prosecutor might not even prosecute the case that they're trying to put together. The elected official might try to stab them in the back and tell, and tell the public that they're the ones who should get in trouble if they end up uh, in a fight with a suspect. So even if the suspect is totally starting the fight. So it's just uh, it's a situation where people who have defined their New York dream, their American dream is being able to wear that uniform of the greatest law enforcement organization in the history of the world. Deciding, you know, now they're, they're maybe they're in their mid twenties, they're thirty, they're thirty-five, they're only a few years in, or maybe they're even just a few years away from retirement. And they're saying, you know what, it's not worth it, and they're gone, and it's sad. It is very sad. Lee Zeldin, the Republican hopeful for a governor, the hope for the state of New York. This is our guy, folks. Two weeks from today, go out in big numbers. All of you listening, do not be complacent. Go out and vote. For Lee Zeldin tonight, the only debate that Kathy Hochul would agree to. So you know what's going to happen tonight, Lee. She's going to come out there and she's going to talk about abortion and make you sound like you hate women. You've got a beautiful wife. You've got two beautiful daughters. But you hate women. You don't care about women's issues. You want to outlaw abortion, all these things. That's going to be, I would imagine, her biggest knock tonight. Is that what you're expecting? 
Well, I mean, that's what she's been obsessing about during the entire campaign. But the reality is that a few years ago, New York codified far more than Roe. When we woke up the day after the Dobbs decision, the law in New York was exactly the same as it was the day before. And I'm not going to change it. So we, can we now move on to the issues that New Yorkers <laughs> say are most important to them? Can we talk about rising crime and skyrocketing costs? I think that's what's going to happen tonight. You're going to say that, and uh, she's not going to let you off the hook that easily. And then when you get to the rising crime, what could she possibly say? Lee, what could she possibly say? The cashless bail, like you talked about, the just disrespect for police officers all over this city, all over this state. What could she possibly say outside of that dog and pony show on Saturday that says, I actually care about the crime problem in this city? Now she'll just have to make stuff up. I mean, she, she'll have to try to distract and deflect. She's not going to get to the heart of what needs to get done. Kathy Ogle's not going to stand there on the stage and say that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to remove Alvin Bragg. Uh, we need to uh, overhaul Castle's bail and give judges discretion away dangerousness. I mean, there's stuff that she's just refused to say this entire time. I mean, it, it, it is her morning this you know waking up to some new poll and some conversation with a political consultant going to shock her into some <laughs> brand new statement some yeah. brand new position maybe we'll yeah. see but that's not what she's been saying this whole time how much time do you want to forget about planning on because you got errol lewis tonight and he's the absolute worst i'm sorry i'm not even sorry he's the absolute worst but um assuming he gives you time to state your case how much time will you spend tonight on the corruption? I mean, I've been around a long time. If God's good to me, Lee, I'll be 56 in April. And I saw a pretty corrupt Andrew Cuomo, but I've never seen a politician develop this much corruption in less than one year in office, including a lieutenant governor getting arrested than Kathy Hochul. Is that part of your plan tonight? I really do hope that, that there's an opportunity for us to talk about it. the pay-to-play corruption, her pick of Brian Benjamin, the champion of the defund the police movement, who had to resign after getting arrested, the Buffalo Stadium deal. I mean, as you pointed out, you have two moderators who are able to ask whatever questions they want to ask. But as you're pointing out, the voters of New York want to talk about Kathy Hochul's pay-to-play corruption and her bad decisions from Brian Benjamin to the, the Buffalo Bill Stadium deal and beyond. So hopefully there's, there's a question or two or three on it. This is one of the reasons why I said we should do multiple debates across right. the state is that we have a lot to talk about. But this is exactly why we're only doing one debate for one hour over a month after the start of absentee voting is because she doesn't want to be talking about all of these different issues. She'd, she, she'd rather hide. She'd rather not have this debate at all. Of course not. I mean, we're not going to get to education, I'm sure, tonight. Heck, even fracking. You know, we, we, we blast Joe Biden every day, and deservedly so, for shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, jobs and money and energy efficiency out the window we got the same issue right here in the state of new york don't we lee we should be reversing the state's ban on the safe extraction of natural gas approving new pipeline applications we bring down energy costs create jobs generate revenue revitalize communities uh, we would be exporting we could be exporting energy to other states we could even be exporting energy to other countries there's so much potential here in the state going untapped and for those who are environmentalists you know, and by the way, we're all we, we all love the environment. We all want people to have clean air, clean water. We're all pro conservation. But for the people who have gone so far as to say that you can't extract natural gas, the, the same people 
will pat Joe Biden on the back when he's running <laughs> off to Iran and Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to beg them for oil. What we would do here is more environmentally friendly than what you're patting him on the back for doing overseas with adversaries abroad. So come on, let's let's be serious here. Economically and environmentally, it makes sense for us to tap into it. By the way, I'd love to see uh, Alison Esposito also debate Delgado. That would be a blowout, too, along with you blowing out Kathy Hochul. One more, Lee. Take us inside a little bit now. Uh, what do you know? Do they come back to you, New York 1, and have they given you a couple of things already you may discuss tonight? Or are you going there tonight basically blindsided? I, I have no clue at all what any uh, questions that they're going to ask me are. Uh, it's I, I can't speak, obviously, for any communications that they may or may not have had uh, with the other side. But as far as me, I, I don't have any clue what what issues, what questions they, they're planning on asking. But do you expect it to be relatively, not relatively, very unfair tonight? Again, knowing New York One is a liberal outlet, knowing Errol Lewis is on CNN when he's not on New York One, he doesn't like you. He does not like you, trust me. Are you going into this tonight feeling like, oh, my God, I've got to fight three people, two moderators and Kathy Hochul? Well, listen, this is a decision for these moderators because, you know, they've hosted other debates in the past. Uh, I, they, they, they're going, they want to host more debates in the future. Uh, as far as the long-term plan, I mean, the reality is I can't think of any time in the past where a moderator chose to be you know, very biased and to try to very much tilt the scales okay. where it didn't backfire. Right. I can't think of a single example. So, I, I, and I'm—I'd be ready for anything tonight. So, you know, there's no way they'd be getting a free pass for me if they decided that they didn't want to be, you know, fair down the middle and impartial. Uh, so, I just think it would be the right move, the smart move on their part to just ask the questions. You know, be the moderator, be impartial, let the candidates uh, ask uh, answer however they want to answer these questions. Uh, you know, but but the idea that they're going to just tilt the scales and turn it into a three-on-one, I don't see that happening without it backfiring. What if they say to you at the end, you know, you've just been fighting for the last 57 minutes back and forth, and it gets very heated, let's say, okay? And at the very end, they pull a Trump-Clinton thing and go, hey, Lee Zeldin, what do you like about Kathy Hochul? What would you say? Yeah, uh, we all listen. We'll we'll see tonight if it, uh, <laughs> if it comes to that. But uh, they may no, do no, that. I, you know, do you guys I, like I mean, chocolate? <laughs> listen, I, I'm I'm in this race because I am not a fan at all of her job that she's doing. I mean, I think that she's wholly unfit and way over her head. She's doing a horrible job on every front. So, you know, listen. You, you know, if you want to waste a question away on on something like that as opposed to asking something something substantive you know try to explain that after the fact that you didn't have room to ask about Kathy Hochul's corruption but you did have time to try to ask, you know to ask me a question about saying something nice about her right so right. we only have 1 hour we don't have a bunch of debates let's not waste any question any minute on anything other than these substantive issues I got to think this is a blowout tonight. I really do. You are so prepared. You have run a tremendous campaign. Again, Lee, to your credit, erasing a double-digit deficit, nearly a 20-point deficit to where today you're tied or in the lead in a bunch of polls. I got to think she's got no chance tonight. You are ready. You've never been more ready. New York is proud of you. I'm proud of you. Go out there tonight and show New York why you're the guy they should be voting for two weeks from today. Great job on my show today. Go get him tonight. All right, thank you, Sid. I'm You're ready. the man. Thank you, buddy. There he is, the next governor. 
Write it down right now, folks. Write it down right now. The next governor of the state of New York, my friend, Lee Zeldin. Coming right back. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Watch me. Oh, come on. Deb Valentine just said to me that's the best interview she's ever heard. Let's put uh, Deb's mic on. She, of course, is um, the best news lady in the business. Very professional. Jack and Carl's great, too. I shouldn't say that. They're both amazing. Hey, uh, Deb. Valentine, put your, your mic on in there. Yes, sir. Unprovoked, you walked in and said that was the best interview you've ever heard. I never Me said do. that. No, just kidding. Yes, I did. I opened the studio door. I said that is the best darn interview <laughs> you have ever done. Without notes, without cheat sheets, no, nothing. nothing. Everything, right. every question covered every single topic right off the top of your head. That's true. I don't have, I, I don't I have, said, I don't have one I piece said, of paper here. I said, it is so hot in here, call the FDM. <laughs> Congratulations well, for a well, great interview, you. Sid. And, you know, more importantly, you've gotten Congressman Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for governor on our 77 WABC air, the only station that Correct. he is talking to today, aside from doing the one debate tonight that New York Governor Kathy Hochul has agreed to do. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. That's very nice. For coming from you, the the consummate professional that you are, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it sincerely. I, I know you do. Thank you. And he was great. He was terrific. And, we, you know, we talked about everything from all the, obviously, all of the uh, issues at hand tonight to even the moderators and what to expect over at New York One. And he was very honest, and he's terrific. You can hear the confidence in his voice. Listen, folks, I remember talking to Lee months ago, right before the, the, big, the big primary, actually. Bernie was here. And uh, before uh, uh, Andrew Giuliani and Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino and all those guys jumped in. And he was always a great congressman and a terrific New Yorker. But he did not have the confidence back then that he has now. If you listen to the last couple of interviews I've done with Lee, he's a new man. And he is ready. I mean, yes, he is he has ready. momentum. Absolutely. There he is. We've got the momentum. Did you hit that by accident? That's weird. No, that was Deb still up. Oh, okay. Because he does have the momentum. And he's ready. And she's in big trouble tonight. That's the bottom line. So she's going to try to make it about he hates women. By the way, he's got a beautiful wife, Lee, and two adorable teenage daughters. And my contention is he loves women just like anybody else, just like Kathy does. But abortion is legal here, Kathy. It's legal here. So pipe down. What is it, though, Macedonia, Phil? What do you want to say? There's some breaking news going on. Was it about the Nets or something? No, Some I mean, stupid... it's about basketball, but not really. <laughs> I know. Basketball. Did I know? Did it's I know? Not, it's not actually about of the sport of basketball. Was. We're discussing serious things well, here. Well, it is a serious thing. Um, what is it? Uh, Brittany Griner was denied the appeal, and she'll be set to I saw that. prison sentence. I saw that. So she's going to be in jail now for 10 years? Nine. I mean, if it makes any difference. But, yeah, yeah she's going to start serving the nine years. The only way we can get her out, I guess, is if uh, the president, 
Who doesn't even know he's president? You got to hear this, folks. This was uh, un- <laughs> Biden. He's done it again. There he goes again. Uh, yesterday, Joe Biden went to wish his vice president, Kamala Harris, a happy birthday. But rather than wish his vice president a happy birthday, he instead, for the hundredth time, wished the president, which I thought he was, a happy birthday instead. Play that, uh, Lou, Joe Biden one. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday to our great president, Kamala Harris. And that comes from Joe Biden. Yesterday. Yesterday. You're going to tell me this guy's not shot? They had the nerve to talk about evoking the 25th Amendment with Donald Trump. And this guy, he doesn't even know he's president. He doesn't even know. He thinks Kamala Harris is the president. Which you could be very, very soon. And maybe yeah, after the midterms. Scary thing. I mean, all kidding aside. So he can fix this, I guess. He can do some horrible deal like in baseball, you know. When you trade Nolan Ryan for Jim Fragosi. Or if you get a really good trade and you get Keith Hernandez for Rick Ownby and Neil Allen. Or Gary Carter for Yubi Brooks and Mike Fitzgerald and Floyd Yeomans. Those are good deals. But politically, when you look at this administration... And you go back to when Joe Biden was the vice president, working for the most overrated president ever, black Jesus, as I call him, Barack Obama. What are you laughing at, Phil? You like that. That's funny. Thank you. (laughs) He made the worst deal ever when he traded for Bo Bergdahl and gave up in exchange five terrorists who've killed people since. That we know for a fact in Afghanistan. Bo Bergdahl, who deserted who deserted his American troops and ended up getting seven servicemen killed because they went to find this dumb bastard for five terrorists. So Biden can make a trade to get this America-hating basketball player back, which I want them to do. I mean, I don't like Brittany Griner. She's uh, one of those athletes that is really despicable, honestly, that LeBron James type, somebody who's lived a, a nice life in this country for playing a stupid sport and has nothing nice to say about this country. Nothing. Kneels for the national anthem. So I don't like her, but, but, I'm an American. She's an American. She needs to come home. Let her, uh, let me rip her all day long, all day long on this radio station. She belongs here. I can admit that. I think I'm being fair. So Biden should try to get her back, but you got to, you got to be, you can't trade away this Russian arms dealer. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Russian arms dealer, you can't do that either. So the pressure's on Biden now to figure this out, but he's got so many other things to worry about. I mean, you got Putin, you know, he's uh, threatening nuclear war. You got uh, the little guy in North Korea firing off missiles again. You got Ping back for a third term in China, wakes up every day trying to figure out how to destroy Joe Biden in America. You got all of his party about to get whitewashed in two weeks, the, ele- the election, the midterms. He has, he has no time to worry about Brittany Griner right now. Plus, he's got to worry about whose birthday it is from day to day. He can't even figure that out. That's right. He's got to figure out when to get the candles. <laughs> what a mess. I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together. I don't have them saying, wait a minute. How, how old are you? What did he say? What? Yeah, what he said there. So are you doing that as a big story? Monica Crowley's coming up next. She's a great guest. Bo Deedle was great. Lee Zeldin was tremendous. 
And now we've got Monica Crowley coming up next, and she's a really great guest. You deem that as a big story? I, I guess it is, right? It uh, has to be. I mean, whether or not you like her or whether you're not a fan of the WNBA or, yeah. you know, it being a big sport, it's at the end of the day, it's a U.S. citizen being held in uh, a Russian prison for nine years for, for what would be like you know, a fine in, in America for right. possession. It's, right, it would be a desk ticket, basically. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that it's, it is an athlete, you know, of her stature, albeit a WNBA star, but still a, a professional athlete. Is she any good? Who's on, she, she was really good. I don't good. follow WNBA. She, she, so. was, a, she was an all-star. She, she was, was really an all-star? Good. Yeah. She oh, was you got to really get her back now. She was, like, she was like the only woman in the WNBA who could consistently dunk. Oh. Really? Yeah, she's 6'8". Didn't Lisa Leslie dunk when she was on the yeah, Los Angeles once. Sparks? I think once, way yeah. back when, but. She, uh, oh, now it makes it even more important to get it back because she was like a sucky 12th player off the bench. I mean, if it's Let anyone, it, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it, suck, it sucks for anyone, but it's, yeah. you know, the fact that it's, it's, it's actually a professional How would athlete. you feel, uh, Macedonia, Phil, if, God forbid, you went to some of the, one of these countries and, you know, you tend to uh, smoke a joint here and there, and you got caught with one of these things, and you were in a prison, and your only hope was the people in charge in America, and you came to find out that they don't really care. How would you? How would you feel, well, Phil? Sid, take a wild guess as to how I'd feel. You think I'd be dandy about that? <laughs> well, oh, I, I got a nine-year sentence. Hey, what are you gonna do? Tough I don't luck. know. You, you're you're, you're tired a lot. I figured you would just lay down and yeah, sleep for nine for nine years. I just lay down. You're very tired. Nine years. Let me tell you something. Goes, goes like this. Yeah, goes <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be fifty-six in April. Nine years goes in a second, yeah, Phil. Fifty to fifty-six was nothing. Uh, for, exactly. For Good thing I have nothing to look forward to. What do you have to look forward to? Every day, I love. Uh, I have the car ride to get here to look forward to. Well, how come you're late you. every day? Then why aren't you excited Uh-oh. getting up early and getting to work? Today you show up at five nineteen. You were nineteen minutes late. Look at I, you're knows. so excited about the job. You love working for me, blah blah blah, and you're late every day. Hey, that's not true. It is very true. No. Yes, you're late every day. I had, Some I, days it's five o two, five o four today five nine. What are you doing that you're late? You can't. You come from New Jersey. There's nobody on the road that time of the morning. No, there is. Well, today was an unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> Here he goes. There is an unfortunate <laughs> scenario with my body. That your just, body. Yeah. What happened? Someone wrong again? Yeah. I mean, you're like 25 years old. Why do you have so many medical difficulties? I was just born with a lot of medical deficiencies. <laughs> well, you don't take care of yourself either. You, you just uh, you don't eat well. You eat okay. I guess. I you have well. grapes. Yeah, you I, have I grapes. Eat fruits every day or something like that. No. Limit my alcohol consumption, kind of. Not really. Who was it this morning that? Oh, it was Justin who told me they're going to vote for Ron DeSantis and not Donald Trump. What about you? What are you going to do? Uh... You're a liberal anyway. <laughs> you come to that you have disguised yourself as a Republican to get a job on my program with Bernie, and um, and the truth is, is that you are liberal all the way. I don't, I, where'd you, where do you come up with this conclusion? I think you've got a poster of John Fetterman over your bed in your house in Hamburg, New Jersey. He does like him. He likes him a lot. I oh, know. Sure. What is your thing with John Fetterman? He's a lowlife, a loser. I don't know anything about his politics, really. I just like the fact that he wears a sweatshirt. He does wear a sweatshirt. That's cool. And I, he's I got more... that look with the beard. He looks like an old wrestler, like an old trucker who's just, you know, yeah, lost I, everything. I, I want more politicians to look like the everyday man. See, he likes him. He really? likes John Fetterman. Well, yeah. I, listen, I mean, me liking him or not liking him has nothing to do with anything. Who are you going to vote for, Zeldin or Hochul? Oh, you can't I even can't vote, vote in New York. York. I, did, I you vote, did you vote for Murphy or uh, Chitterelli in Jersey? Oh, vote, to be honest. I know. I, I, I voted for Jack Chitterelli. Oh, you're such a liar. It's, it's... It doesn't matter what you're look how, look how he smiles when he talks. Look, look at his face. Look. I, I know. I know what his <laughs> face looks like. He's such a liar. I know. What now, about this? Uh, the, my friend Jack Manzo wants you to vote for Billy Premper. 
You know who he is? <laughs> he's not a real person. Of course he's a real person. <laughs> he's, he's a politician. <laughs> you know, he made up made Billy Bremp out of Billy, well, that sounds like a name. That you, it sounds like you're, you're sneezing. Man, you said real, Billy and then you sneeze. It's a real person, Billy Prempa in New Jersey. He's been on with me and Bernie three times. Ah. Who did you vote for, Bob Eugen or Menendez? When was this? What election? <laughs> it was like four years ago, I think, like 2018. Uh, Governor Corzine. You like that guy? I don't remember him. Who was the governor that almost? Who was the governor that went to meet Imus after the Rutgers thing and almost got killed in a car? Oh, it was him. It was Corzine. Corzine, yes. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I heard what was, was the lousy. name of the governor what, what of this, New Jersey? Is <laughs> this Beat Phil? Just be quiet. <laughs> what was the name? New trivia game. Just play the game. Okay. What was the name of the governor of New Jersey? Who, after 9-11, declared the pile outside of the old World Trade Center, the pile of heap after the planes hit. He's looking safe. it up right now. He's no, hyping. don't look it up. He's don't look it up. Do uh, not look it up. It's a female. Um, Come on. A female? It's a female. Uh, Christine Christie. <laughs> <laughs> now that you made up. He got Christine right, Christine and then he added Chris right. Christie, yes. which was brilliant. You were halfway there. Phil. Did you vote for Chris Christie? I wasn't old enough to vote. Do you believe that the best thing Chris Christie did in New Jersey was bring gambling to the state, making football yeah. bets legal? Yeah, actually, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. He like, shut down, I guess, like All the, right, this was fun. Thank you very much. Monica Crowley. <laughs> Are you a member now, or have you ever been of the Communist Party, Phil? <laughs> it is a little bit like a... Uh, Jeez, one after another. But he did you? very, very well. Look, he's unflappable, this kid. Nothing oh. bothers this yeah, guy. He, he made up a governor's name. But that's fine. He, was, he, got close. he got the first name right. Right? Leave him alone. Yeah, Phil Murphy looks like a vampire. Leave him alone. I, I swear to God, this kid's a genius. I voted for Will Williams. <laughs> what? <back> Fine. <laughs> I know what he meant. Monica Crowley is coming up next. <laughs> Folks, that's what makes this the best talk show in America. I mean, Lee Zeldin was great. Bo Deedle's great. Bill O'Reilly. But you, you can't find talent like this. Macedonia Phil. Take a bow. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. On your Tuesday morning, don't forget tomorrow, of course, the uh, the big memorial service for Bernard. And we expect thousands and thousands of people. Starts at 10 o'clock. So I think what I'm going to do is Peter King is on every Wednesday at 840. So we'll have our weekly Peter King conversation. And then at about 9 o'clock, I'll start to make my way towards the cathedral, which is only about a five-minute walk. I've done it many times. I've gone to church that many times. And um, I'm going to speak tomorrow, me and Bo Deedle. 
I don't know if Mike Breen's going to be there. I know he's, he's knee-deep in the basketball season right now. And, of course, Bernie's family will be there. Melanie did speak at the funeral, Carol and Brendan. So I don't know. Uh, Chad will speak, Chad Lopez and John Katsimatidis. I don't even know uh, all the speakers and what's going on, but um, I'll make my way with there at 9. And I've got like a caravan of people that uh, make make the walk with me. I think Corey Zelnick and Joseph Abood and Andrew Giuliani and a host of others. And it promises to be a very moving and beautiful ceremony in our official goodbye to Bernard. When I say goodbye, radio goodbye, because he'll be in our hearts, a lot of us, forever. And uh, John and Chad are going to rename, or I should say rename, are going to name this studio where we all do the shows from, from me right on through the rest of the day to the Bernard McGurk studio, which is really nice. I mean, really nice. So, hey, look, the station's done everything right since Bernie passed away, and really since he got sick. As I said yesterday, for some of you, this is a three-week process since he passed away. For me, it's been 11 months, and certainly for his family, it's been 11 months, but I'm sure it feels like 50. So joining us right now is a young lady, also a friend of Bernard. Bernard liked her very, very, very much. I do, too. She worked for Donald Trump. She's one of the great economy minds in the country today. And it's our friend, Monica Crowley. Good morning, Monica. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. I am well, and thank you so much for having me on today to share some thoughts on our great friend, Bernie McGurk, who, you know, I am, first of all, let me just say my thoughts and my prayers are with his wife and his family and um, I know how crushing it is to lose someone so close to you. So my thoughts yeah. and prayers are certainly with them. I am absolutely heartbroken. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, so I was always around New York television and New York radio. And I grew up listening to Bernard McGurk on the IMAS program from the time I was a little girl. I grew up, my mom always had IMAS in the morning on the, sh- on the radio in the car, and she's bringing us yeah. to school, and there's IMAS, and there's Bernie, and... And I so that that memory reaches very far back for me. And he always made me laugh. Again, from the time I was a little girl, he always cracked me up. And then as I progressed in my career and I actually got to know Don Imus and appear on his show and Bernard McGurk and work with them, it was like an out-of-body experience. (laughs) It was like, you know, when you you sort of meet people who you've always been watching your whole life and and idolizing to some degree, and they, they have such a critical part of your life and your memory. So when I actually met Bernie, I I was like blown away. And then, of course, I was even more blown away, not just the fact that he was such a a broadcasting icon, but the fact that he was such a lovely human being. He was so incredibly talented and everybody knew that. But those of us who were blessed to know him personally, Sid, as you and I did, and I really consider that a blessing, we got to see the man. And he was such a good man. Great talent, of course. But what he shared with us was the goodness of his soul and his friendship. And I feel the loss very, very deeply, as I know we all do. Oh, and I know you reached out to me right away when he uh, passed away and uh, wanted to get on uh, the day after. So you were you got hit pretty hard when it first happened, uh, going back a couple of weeks ago. And you've been around a lot of very smart people, a lot of smart people. You mentioned Donald Trump. You mentioned Don Imus. You mentioned Bernie, Steve Mnuchin, and a host of others throughout your glorious career. 
And everybody keeps saying the same thing. Oh, two things really. One being that Bernard was uh, the type of guy that really didn't need the attention, the material things, all the stuff that I do need. Uh, he didn't need that. And uh, secondly, that he was always the smartest guy in the room. I know you can attest to both of those. Oh, oh absolutely. But also one of the most modest, if not the modest, you know, broadcasting, whether it's television or radio, said we all know attracts some big egos and attracts some people who are maybe great on the air, but not the best people <laughs> in real life. Bernard was the exact opposite. I mean, he, he just, he didn't do it for the fame. He didn't do it for the fortune. He did it because he was incredibly talented. God had given him a great gift in terms of comedy and brains and intellect and, and quickness of, of mind and spirit. And so he found his calling in broadcasting, and he went and did it, and he loved every minute of it. And any of us who have been around Bernard, both on and off the air, just saw this this lightness of being around Bernard, right? I mean, you could be in the worst mood, and you could see Bernie coming down the hallway, and all he had to do was look at you, and you were cracking up. You know, I remember there was one time, I think during the Iraq War, and and I miss and Bernard and I were at MSNBC together, and I remember I really wanted to be on with Imus, but I was a little afraid because Imus was such an intimidating character, and because I grew up listening to him, and my mind he looms so huge. And the boss at MSNBC, where I worked at the time, came to me and he said, do you really want this? And I said, absolutely, but I'm terrified. And he said, well, let me talk to Don and I'm going to tell him you're going to be the best guest he'll ever have. So he convinced Imus to have me on. And I, <laughs> I don't get nervous at all anymore, but I was nervous for that, Sid. And I'm I sure. remember Bernie came up to me and he reassured me calmed me down, made me laugh before that first segment with Imus. And it made me feel so much better. It made me feel at peace going into that lion's den. And I'll never forget, yes, Imus led the interview with me. But just knowing that Bernie was there on microphone to rescue me if I needed it made a world of difference to me. And ever since that moment, Bernie has always had his eyes, uh, you know, on on me, protecting me both on and off the air, and I will never forget it. Yeah, that's uh, he did that with a lot of folks. A lot of folks came in very, very nervous, and he was able to kind of soothe that before the uh, before the actual action started. And almost every single guest uh, came on and said the same exact thing you just said, which was a great quality that Bernie, in fact, did have. This is Monica Crowley right here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show, as always, doing a fantastic job. Bernie, of course, has his uh, big morning coming up tomorrow. Hey, let's get to some of the issues, though, that we've got today. Inflation is still a major, major issue, Monica. Doesn't seem to be any real hope on the horizon anytime soon. The interest rates are still going up. All kinds of economic indicators that say a recession is right around the corner. Give uh, our listeners a reason to be somewhat hopeful that things will change in the next couple of months. Yeah, I would say that the three big issues driving voters this election cycle said are crime, especially here in the city of New York and the state of New York. I would say the wide open border and all of the problems that that brings. And I would say the economy. 
So on the economy, you've got a couple of big things. You've got an overall weakening economy. And when you say we're going into a recession, uh uh-uh, we're already in a recession. The first six months of this year, both quarters had negative economic growth. And traditionally, and by definition, that is a recession. So we've already been in a recession. Um, Tomorrow, or rather Thursday, we're going to get the first print of the third quarter GDP. So we'll, we'll know whether third quarter also showed negative growth. We might get a little bit of growth, very marginal in this third quarter, only because inventories and some other things. So people are warning about a deeper and darker and more prolonged recession coming up heading into next year. That is entirely possible. I think it's probably inevitable. So if you think things are bad now, just wait. Oh, my God. All of this is a direct result of unified Democratic control in Washington, D.C. Inflation is just it's it's an oversupply of money. It's too many dollars chasing too few goods. And the reason we're in this position is because Joe Biden and the Democrats chose to spend five trillion dollars in about a year and a half, in about 18 months. The total last year that the federal government spent between what the Democrats spent that $5 trillion and the additional $1.8 trillion that the Fed printed and pushed down into the system, a grand total of $6.8 trillion that we don't have and can't afford. So it's not a giant mystery here, Sid, why we've got this crazy inflation where everything is out of control. It was a direct policy. You know, when Trump left office, he handed Biden an inflation rate of 1.4%. Now we're at 8.2%. Again, policies have consequences Elections have consequences. And that's why here in New York State, where prices anyway, like in a, in a good economic situation, prices are always higher for us New Yorkers, right? Yes. Well, now prices are completely out of control for those of us trying to survive in the state of New York, the city of New York. And that is a direct result of what is coming out of Washington and all of the crazy spending also going on in Albany. That's why we need Lee Zeldin to be elected governor of the state to try to put a stop to everything the Democrats have done here and begin to turn it around. There you have it. What a tremendous appearance. Lee was on at 840, and I thought he came off in very impressive fashion as he gets set to debate Kathy Hochul tonight, the one and only governor debate here in New York. Another great appearance, Monica. Thank you for the beautiful words you said about Bernie. He really did love you. So do I. And uh, all the info on the economy as well. I look forward to having you back on again very, very soon. Thank you so much. Anytime, Sid. We all miss Bernie. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Monica Crowley, folks. She is great. She really is great. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I love that, oi. Neil Rogers, the great Neil Rogers, oi. 9.46, Tuesday morning. There he is. Great show today. Bo Deedle was terrific. Bill Donahue was a ton of fun. Lee Zeldin, Monica Crowley, just a great show. Tomorrow is going to be a big-time show, too. A three-hour morning show, 6 to 9. That's again at 9 o'clock. I'm going to start to walk over to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Me and my merry little men, like 10 of them. (laughs) <laughs> for this beautiful ceremony for Bernard. And I don't know how the whole 
studio thing is going to work before. I guess we'd have to do that before. If they're even doing it tomorrow, I don't, I don't know. I know it's this week, I guess, but I thought everything was going to be done tomorrow. The studio name, the ceremony, that type of thing. Might walk in and it might be happening. I guess. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I spoke to Chad a little yesterday about the ceremony in church tomorrow, and he gave me some specifics, which I appreciated. But I don't really know any specifics about the studio deal. So I maybe I'll go up and see John uh, after the show, Cats Matitis, and find that out. But tomorrow promises to be another emotional day, and we'll have our regular Wednesday guests, including Peter King and others. Andrew Giuliani is going to stop by, Boo, Zelnick, all of uh, our friends, me and Bernie. And we'll... Um, We'll go down to the cathedral, and um, that promises to be very emotional, but also celebratory. You know, the funeral was just brutal. No other way to put it. It was just brutal. You were there for that, Lou, you and MJ. It was yeah. very draining and brutal. It was brutal. And it was right after the um, he passed away. But now, a couple of weeks later, and obviously, tomorrow more about a celebration and I can't promise you that Carol's going to feel that way, his beautiful wife or his son, Brendan, or his daughter, Melanie. They may still, they're, they're still sad, obviously, very, and so are we. But we, I think we can find a way to celebrate. I'm not sure they can. But I think what we want, what the station wants in setting this up is more of a celebration of a wonderful life than a tear fest. But you just don't know. You know, you go and, and um, you start mentioning his name and, you start to cry. That's it. So, Like, I'm supposed to speak again tomorrow, and I spoke at the funeral, and I, I was a mess. I mean, Bo Dito started to cry. So did Mike Breen, but I couldn't even get my, my speech out. I was brutal. Um, and I'm telling myself today, don't do it tomorrow. Just get through it and be fine. But what you tell yourself even moments before, and then what happens when you're, in fact, pressed into duty, are two different things. Completely different thing. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But it'll be nice. It'll be nice. So that means, Lewis, you have to come to work tomorrow. You can't wear one of your rock and roll T-shirts. Why? Like no sleep till Brooklyn. Why? You can't go to church dressed like that. A, look, like you look like you're about to go to Jameson's or, uh, you know, okay. Harbor Lights and down like 80 beers. God is everywhere. That's true. God accepts That's me. That's true. God doesn't care what you dress like, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. God knows who I am. You're wearing a suit tomorrow. <laughs> You're probably not you... going to wear a rock shirt. Well, I know. No. Phil, what about you? <laughs> Phil, you looked very nice. You wore like a turtleneck and like a black jacket yeah. to the funeral. You looked very nice. Thank you. What are you going to wear tomorrow? Um, are you even coming? Are you coming Stand to by. the? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't really discussed You may be that. busy. I know. You got a lot going to, on. I like, you know, work. Some of us have to do it for a living. Hopefully he gets here. <laughs> well, if we're all leaving, like <laughs> Justin, Phil, me, you... If we're all leaving, who's going to be here to be on the air for that hour or whatever? Because 10 o'clock is kill me. He's he's not here anyway. But what's going to happen from 9 to 10? Well, somebody still has to be here. Well, Matt Meany, the um, very esteemed program director, he said he had it all under control, which is great because he's in, like, Tennessee or something right now. (laughs) Right? Yeah. 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 So what's going to happen, Justin? I I, I don't know. I I don't know. Have you been been told you can go to the— I haven't been told anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been told what Lou told me, which is that what you heard, which is that Matt said that he had 
figured it out. Right. So if he did not figure it out and you're forced to stay here till 10 o'clock, are you going to be mad? or No. I mean, then, you work- well, then I'll, I'll be here till 10 o'clock and I'll yeah, pull that's I'll not right. That's not right, o'clock. though. I, I mean, know. you actually worked closer outside of me with Bernie than anybody. I, I love Bernie. You were the me, guy me that he would email yeah. at 1 o'clock in the morning. You'd be cutting oh, yeah. a sound all morning long. Oh, yeah. Me and, me and Bernie had uh, had a strong connection. Oh, calm down. Just calm down. No, you cut like his sound we, up in no, the morning. We, we, strong we, we, had a, we had a strong <laughs> Fine. We had a fine. very strong You did the same thing for him, connection. the three guys that were in before you got to that yes, job. Yes, but I was very good at it. That's true. You are very good at it, yes. yes. But he yelled at you the last week. I remember he said, and I quote, don't make me tell you this again in the morning. Because <laughs> I showed you that email. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Bernie was that way. Did, that Bernie, happen, Bernie right? was that way. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie got what he wanted, and that was because he he didn't he didn't mince words, I right? I mean, he put it. He would literally just say in the email, "Listen, this is what I want, yeah. and I don't want to have to ask again in the morning." He I, actually said that one of the last emails he sent to me showed it to me. He's like, I, "Don't I make me." It. Yeah, I didn't believe it. I'm like, "That's not what he Bernie's character." He's no. like, "That's me. I'm a dick. That's not Bernie." Oh, well, yeah. he was when he wanted something. Yeah. He yeah. was like that for a long time. Oh, yeah. That's why he was very particular and he wanted it right. Right. <laughs> and he, I think it was frustration more on her part and, and his on his part. And yeah. what you should learn is never show him stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I well know listen, I, I, I know. I know. No, no, wait a second. I, I didn't say a word about it. I know. Until, 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 right until you just said it well, on the number the, the, one the, radio the, station. The, 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 the time runs out and eventually you're allowed to. I mean, there's like the statute of limitations. Oh, I see. So right before we celebrate him at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Cathedral tomorrow right. is when you bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a perfect <laughs> time. Thanks for teaching me. Okay. Yeah. Now I learned. Yeah. Okay. Well, seems I, like a perfect I, I, time. I could have avoided elaborating. I did elaborate a little bit there. So yeah. apologies to Bernard. I'm sorry, Bernie, up there. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry, he, he did love you. All kidding aside. <laughs> yeah, and I loved him. I love him. Is Luke Legrano coming tomorrow? He's... I don't know. He comes all the way from uh, Connecticut. You know, Connecticut. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough. How's he doing right? up there? He's doing good? He's doing nice. Actually, good. I spoke to him a couple days ago. All right, good for that comment. He's a good kid. All right. We'll come back and wrap things up. It's been a great <laughs> Tuesday show. The whole crew will come in right back. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. going to watch this debate like uh, later on tonight, like a giant game. Somebody asked me a couple days ago, would I rather the Giants win the Super Bowl or Lee Zeldin win two weeks from today? Now, the Sid Rosenberg five years ago would have been like, what kind of stupid question is that? The Giants. Fifteen years ago, would have punched in the face just for asking that question. Or for anything. That's a good point. Yeah. I was drunk. But uh, today, it's Zeldin. I need Zeldin to win. I want Zeldin to win. I got the kids. I got, you know, I live here. And um, I need Zeldin to win here. I need the Senate races to go the Republican way. There's about four that are very pivotal coming up in two weeks. And we need to win. It all starts tonight. As Terrell Owens, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, once said, get your popcorn ready, folks. 
for a big showdown tonight at Pace University between my guy, Lee Zeldin, and your lady, Kathy Hochul. My guy going to win and win big. Thanks to all our guests today, Bo Deedle, Bill Donahue, Lee Zeldin, and Monica Crowley. Great job on my crew again, Lou Rafino. Money, baby, money. Macedonia Phil, very funny. Justin Ellick, terrific job. Deb Valentine, great job today, Deb. Thank you. And, of course, Frankie Diaz, Jacqueline Carl, the whole crew. God willing, we'll all be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for the big celebration day at St. Patrick's for my man Bernard McGurk. Until then, everybody, have yourselves a dry Tuesday from all of us to all of you. Good night, Bernard. Bernard.